Black Boy Joy. What's up, party people? And welcome to the Idea Bordello with me, your boy, Roy Matei Borone. The Idea Bordello is a podcast that highlights the need for more get down and less let down. Today's episode is with the evergreen, never aging, never letting us down, Lisejo Tladi Nyani. Lisejo is a qualified actuary and a UCT MBA graduate and a partner at the venture capital firm Newton Partners. Lisejo is an old friend and a really, 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 really smart and stylish person, which is an incredibly rare feat. We go deep into Lisejo's investment thesis around the Web3, the benefits of having a venture partner that isn't an operator, and what the future will hold for tech, South Africa, and almost light-skinned guys across the globe. It's a lot of fun and really, really funny. Um, I've listened to it and I laughed, and there are very few things that make me laugh. Um, and it's a wonderful exhibition of black boy joy. So if you're all about that black boy joy, homeboy is this for you. So please, also don't forget to rate and subscribe this podcast. And lastly, don't forget, go to therapy. Now, without any further interruptions, here's my conversation with the incredible and edible Lisejo Tlaniani. Yes. Thanks so much for sitting down and doing this. Awesome. Happy to be Do you here. mind introducing yourself to the people at home before we get started? Sure. Uh, cue the brief. Uh, born and raised in Johannesburg, South Africa. Uh-huh. Happened to, was fortunate enough to go to some really good schools. Um, debatable. <laughs> <laughs> Very debatable statement to carry on. You know, everything's relative. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Thought I would spend my life as an actuary, uh, uh-huh. but, you know, I wanted to do something a lot more dynamic with my time and uh, professionally began as a fixed income and derivatives trader. Um, yeah, and somehow ended up in the world of venture um, after I did my MBA, um, wanted to do something a bit more entrepreneurial, but you know, quite frankly, that aha moment never came. Mm-hmm. So what's the next best thing to help uh, other entrepreneurs within the ecosystem? And that's where I'm at today. Um, awesome. The world of venture capital. Oh, where did you do your MBA? Uh, with UCT, okay. uh, a couple of reasons. Uh, one, it's ridiculous abroad. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you know, yeah. when I looked at it, you know, it was the best value for money at the time. It's and actually comically ridiculous. I remember a friend of mine did her master's in public health in the American Navy. Yeah. And she said the difference in pricing between like, I think UCT was like 111 in the world at public health. Yeah. And the difference between number 110 and 112. So 110 was $30,000 more. Yeah. And 112 was $50,000 more. Wow. And she ended up, A, getting a loan. She got a credit card loan wow. to pay for a whole UCT degree. And she's paid it off in four years. She said in America, she'd be paying that off for the next 15 years. And the biggest issue I have with college debt in general mm. is that you're making young kids make these decisions before their brains are fully formed. Imagine you were 22, 23. Uh, what do you mean 22, 23? Bullshit, man. Like 17. <laughs> <laughs> like 22, 23 is like a piece of shit, yeah. but at least he knows he's a piece of shit. Yeah. When I'm 17, man, I don't even know what like breakfast I wanted that day, right. let alone like what my career was going to yeah. be. And would you like $30,000 of debt, right? Yeah, it's predicated on this crazy idea that like your school marks are a reflection of your ability. And it's like... 
you, you, you're going to school through the most traumatic period of your life, which is being a teenager. Exactly. So it's like, do you know how easy varsity was in comparison to high school? Because in varsity, all I had to focus on was varsity. Yeah. In high school, I had to focus on being a fucking teenager. Exactly. You know, exhausting being a teenager. <laughs> oh, man. Like, I think, I think everyone could pass on the trick if they just were to do the trick from 20 to 25. Yeah. You know? But when, when you're 18, you know how many fights you need to get into? You know how yeah. many girls you need to, like, almost <laughs> fall in love with? You know how I many clothes you need to argue with your parents about buying you for? Yeah. You know, like, you know, it's crazy weird shit that, that happens when you're 18. Yeah. And now, oh, do you want some cool young 50K debt, <laughs> And also, like, if you don't pay this off, you cannot declare bankruptcy. You cannot declare bankruptcy. And yeah. if you do not pay this off, we're still going to take the money regardless. Yeah. It's so, you're poor. You better pick a really great degree. Yeah. Um, and if you don't, you better go to the army and risk your life. Because if not, we own you for the rest of your life. And that shit's fucking life. crazy, dude. It's, yeah. It scares the crap out of it's me. It's incredibly scary. And how also much? Because it's like, broad, broad daylight. Yeah, um, exactly. It's not like Mashonisa there, Ikoneni. No, 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 no. The greatest Mashonisa on planet Earth is like in broad daylight with student debt. Yeah. You know? and, and I think the other thing is like it's the expectation. Right? Mm. It's, you're expected to go to university. And for some people, that's just not what they should be doing, right? They should yeah. be you know, applying their minds in other areas. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, just like you can do other things that are really challenging that are not necessarily taught in a university. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think it would also be really cool if they could be, and I think this comes from a place of extreme privilege, <laughs> like, we could do like a two-year sabbatical after yeah. varsity or during before varsity. We can just do a bunch of different jobs. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, in just different spaces. One of the most important things that I went through, and granted it was in the time of varsity, but every holiday I'd work at a different place. Yeah. And... The biggest learning was, you know, I found out what I didn't like. And that was as important as finding out, you know, what I'm really passionate yeah. about, right? And yeah. I think that idea would be quite cool, right? Like, go out, do a bunch of jobs, see what you're good at. Right? But, like, not even a bunch of jobs in your field. Yeah. Do you see it? Because that's the big problem, yeah. right? So it's like, like, if you're in finance, there is an incredibly sophisticated pipeline of internships that you can get. Yeah. If you're in law, there's an incredibly sophisticated pipeline of jobs you can get. And engineering, incredibly yeah. sophisticated pipeline of jobs you can get. But if you're not in one of those three um, disciplines and yeah. you are in something that isn't those things, but you are intrigued by them in some capacity, yeah. you just cannot get the opportunity to access it without like going in there. True. You see what I'm saying? So like, that's why I say like, it would be great if it was like, you know, you can spend two months being a nursery school teacher. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? and, and, and that's quite cool, right? Because ultimately, if you believe that university is about a way of thinking, mm. I mean, I think that would be quite cool to see that blend, right? So, you know, the one thing I always wanted to do was, to apply actuarial thinking to non-traditional fields. Yes. And, you know, hopefully, you know, I've, I've, I've done that. But, you know, imagine all the interesting things people can be doing. Right? But, I mean, even the way you've done it, you've still gone from, like, the ocean to the swimming pool. Yeah. So, you've taken actuarial thinking into venture. Yeah. As opposed to, like, taking actuarial thinking into nursery. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what I want to see. That's you need to get on a venture and start, like, the actuarial nursery school for, like, gifted children. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That would be great. That would be great. Yeah. yeah. So, so tell us um, a bit more about Newton and your work that you do at Adventure. Sure. So uh, a little bit of background on the fund. Uh, started by two South African entrepreneurs who mm. made quite a bit of money in tech, uh, had some really successful exits, and as most entrepreneurs do these days, started angel investing, uh, mm. just helping to develop, support the ecosystem, and also try to make a little bit of cash, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, that structure was formalized as Newtown Partners, mm -hmm. where um, it still runs today somewhat as a bit of a family office. But uh, about four years ago, we were approached by 
Imperial Logistics um, to manage their corporate venture capital fund. Now, we know the story, corporates don't do innovation well, mm. right? There's just so much institutional red tape. They, yeah, it's just really difficult for them to think of anything quite interesting, quite frankly. And uh, so we manage their corporate venture capital fund, uh, investing in supply chain, logistics and healthcare technology. And uh, yeah, it's a global mandate, uh, $50 million fund, uh, $20 million first close. And yeah, so it's time is split between managing these two pools of capital. So it's the institutional logistics fund and now there's really opportunistic, mostly where there's blockchain opportunities. Okay. Um, what's your risk mandate for the like corporate VC then? So like, what like your risk appetite? So this is what's been quite interesting. Right? So there was quite a lot of in LP education that we had to do, yeah. right? Because they're a listed entity, right? Yeah. On the channel stock exchange, if you come to them with anything that's, you know, over, I don't know, 10 times revenue multiple, you know, they look at you like you're crazy, right? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. they, you know, see tons of opportunities. They're on the public market, yeah, yeah. Exactly, right? And that's their, that's their uh, framework for understanding value, right? So a lot of times, you know, we do have to effectively go out, do a bunch of research and advocate for particular opportunities, you know, we invest uh, seed and series A, which <clears throat> I think we could be doing earlier, to be honest, because I think there's some incredibly you know, interesting opportunities. But, you know, if there is, you know, some level of um, conservatism, oh, is that the right word? Mm, mm. Yeah, if you... Also, English is delicious. So <laughs> if you had home coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, because, you know, you're relatively conservative, you know, mm. you'd be looking for, you know, post-revenue, uh, post-product market fit, uh, post MVP, uh, so you know I'd consider us early growth capital as opposed to you know really you know uh, hands on the ground super early looking for. Okay, uh, that's an interesting issues. way to look at it because as an entrepreneur, oh man, I really always like struggle to understand how one can secure funding pre-seed, yeah, pre-product market fit, and pre-revenue, because like um, you know. Uh, raising capital as a black person in South Africa is it like is a very hazardous activity. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So like, even with all those things, I got like numerous <laughs> notes. And you like, came like, from you know great yeah. school, great great varsity as well. No, I came with like also a great CV as well. Yeah, know? like exactly. double exit. Like hello, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. And like so 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 like I'm not saying that it's wrong necessarily. Yeah. But I think also like a lot like a kid who grew up poor. Same thing as a kid who grew up rich. Yeah. Like. You eat twice a day. <laughs> it's not that. It's not necessarily that it's wrong to eat twice a day. Yeah. It's just that it seems like absurd. <laughs> it seems like bonkers, right? Yeah. I mean, look. I mean, to be fair. Um, I mean, consider. I'd say what was venture capital 1.0. It was incredibly punitive, right? Yeah. So it was lots of your early private equity funds, and you know, if I look at some of the older, you know, technology companies. I mean, the founders owned pretty much zero, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, the terms were not particularly founder friendly, but yeah. that culture is starting to change somewhat, right? So, you know, they'll always changed be- already very aggressively. Exactly, yeah. like, look, I think there's still, you know, a little bit of a lead time for that to really filter down into Africa. And we are seeing more early stage investors, right? But I think, you know, as people become more socialized, the idea of venture, you, you'll see people playing at different, you know, parts of the value chain, right? Mm. And, you know, before it really was, you know, on government to be that catalytic capital, but now you've got, you know, these really large, international funds mostly, right, mm -hmm. who will come in really early. If you're incredibly smart, if the market's big, you know, we might, you know, be your first check-in. Yeah. But, you know, there's still a lot of work to do. Okay. Um, 
Let's talk logistics yeah. for a second. Because I've got a very small background in logistics. So sure. small, you guys decided to put money into that company. Um, from a macro perspective, yeah. I understand that there's a huge amount of value to be extracted around just promoting efficiencies on the continent, right? Sure. So, I mean, I work in distribution now, uh, you know, throughout Africa. Um, there's just so many, like, <laughs> I once read a tweet somewhere, someone was like, Corruption as a service on African borders. <laughs> and I was like, that is a fucking great idea. Because <laughs> I was like, as someone who's dealt with a lot of African borders yeah. and border officials, yeah. bam, if you just had like some kind of system that yeah. like pre-funds a corrupt wallet yeah. as you arrive at the border. The Greece wheel fund, yeah. Dude, yeah. like you would, like things would fly, right? Yeah. Especially like in really contentious, weird borders, like our border with Zimbabwe. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, other borders that we have are very like efficient yeah. because the corruption doesn't go both ways yeah. but in Zimbabwe it's like ah you must pay on both sides my way you know to go <laughs> yeah um and then like I was in uh the Congo last year and I was on the border between Congo and um, Zambia and man you need to go there like if you guys want to invest in logistics you're wasting your time here like the opportunities all the way up there yeah because like Tassan Balesa and that all Chilimbabwe and all that area is just sure. exploding with value but yeah. then you know, I sit there and I'm like, oh man, I see so many opportunities to optimize efficiencies. Sure. But fat, at the end of the day, the one thing that'll optimize your yeah, the whole thing <laughs> is roads. Just fucking R-O-A-D-S, space infrastructure. That's literally it. Yeah. And whenever like, and I was speaking to a dude from Founders Africa about the same idea. Yeah. Whenever I see like, like guys come out and like, we're going to change logistics in Africa. I'm sure. like, so you build roads? And they're like, no. And they're like, so then what the fuck are you going to change? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because like, as South Africans, I think we're extremely privileged. Uh, beyond privilege. Yeah. yeah somebody's yeah, yeah. traveled a lot throughout Africa. Bam, every time I come home and I eat that N1, I, the N3, I'm like, wow. This is like, this is like being a billionaire in Africa. Yeah. Because our highways just bang. They're just so tight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, even in America, eat my ass, fam. Yeah. <laughs> you guys can have the like, biggest economy in the world. You ain't got roads like we do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, so for me, I'm always like, cool. Like, I mean, like things in logistics around drones, I'm like, in sure. Africa, I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. But yeah. I'm always kind of a bit like, hmm. it's a very extreme use case. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Also, like, like Jeff Bezos pulled the ultimate bait and switch when he was like, in the future, no, I have a fridge. We'll just have Amazon drones delivering food. <laughs> and everyone's like, really? He's like, no, that's no. a bridge lie. <laughs> there'll still be bridges. Of course there'll be bridges. Like, oh my. Yeah. Like, instant delivery will be get better over time. I don't deny that. Yeah. But I'm like, fam, like, what if I just want a cold iced beer, like, now? Yeah, Let's wait, like, 20 minutes for this to arrive. No. Yeah. And then it arrives with four beers. I don't think it's hot now. Yeah. Because like, I'm waiting. No, so the bridge will always be there, right? Sure. So, like, my argument is always that, like, if you're not doing base, like, why are we even bothering? You know what I'm saying? And yeah. of course, the capital required to be base level infrastructure yeah. is absurd, right? Yeah. So that's why we get governmental. Sure. But the innovation that allows you to improve the deployment of base infrastructure is yeah. where the market opportunity lies for me. Yeah, I think, right. <clears throat> yeah, from, I'm going to say capital efficiency, right? So mm -hmm. I think that makes quite a lot of sense, right? Like, but I think it's a problem that's, I want to say that's too big to tackle right because mm. it, it requires just a lot of coordination with with institutions which quite frankly just don't work right like mm. the reason a lot of these countries don't have road infrastructures because you know there's other priorities right and you know a lot of the innovation that's happening at least in the logistics space in africa it's 
you're not solving a technical problem, you're solving an inclusivity problem, right? That's mm. how I like to frame my thinking in that, you know, how do you, you know, tackle the fact that you don't have, you know, reliable water infrastructure, you mm. know, we've got mobile phone technology, which has, you know, helped to, you know, solve at least the payments problem. Communication right? before Communication that, problem, yeah. exactly, you know, but, you know, you know, irregardless of whether there's infrastructure or not, trade activity is happening in some fashion or the other, right? True. Like maybe it's not as efficient as it could be, but you know, I think some level of digitization is helping a lot of these traders, you know, to come online and to uh, access service they haven't done before. But yeah. I completely agree. I think there's a part to play, right? But I think, you know, how much of an impact, you know, uh, does Benja have in that space? I'm not too sure. Just because, you know, the return expectations are completely different. And Correct. you know, and ultimately you know, it is about leveraging technology, right? And that's not to say that there couldn't be a startup who's working on, you know, um, improving, let's say, the deployment of road infrastructure, you know, somehow, you know, um, increasing, you know, access to certain... Or just uh, like a new mold for like tar that's just like yeah. 10 times cheaper and like, you know, energy efficient and, you know, sustainable, et cetera, et cetera. Or like just new innovations in that way. Sure, sure. So that like you can even have communities building their own roads. It doesn't yeah. need a state to get involved. Yeah, that's true. But I think, you know, from one thing as well, right? It's, you know, what is venture at its core, right? Yeah. I think it's, it's risk capital with some form of return expectation, right? Mm. And I think some stuff like roads where it's a massive societal good, right? And perhaps that's a place where impact investors can play space. But from a venture capital perspective, right, you've got, what, seven to 10 year lead times, right? And that's pretty much how a lot of these, you know, funds are set up. So you know, if you're going to take, let's say, five years, you know, building a road and, you know, how do you effectively monetize that, right? And I think the venture model might not work best for that, but that's not to say there's no, you know, part to play, right, within the actual innovation. So, mm. you know, being, um, you know, some of the service providers to, you know, the, I'd say the big pockets who can deploy, you know, mm. some of those bigger material and those bigger, um, yeah, handle those bigger problems. Okay. I mean, an another way, okay, sorry, let's just continue this thought to its conclusion. I'm a big Star Wars fan. Actually, no, I'm a big science fiction fan. Like, yeah. I'll watch any science fiction. I don't care how bad or good it is. Like, I like science fiction the way that, like, like my dad's generation liked football. Namaganja. Like, we're just going to watch soccer. <laughs> like, who's playing Techie versus Techie? <laughs> <You know? laughs> we don't know what the teams are, but we just like soccer, right? Yeah. And, like, the one thing that I, like, that I, I always think about from an African to the logistics perspective, two ideas that made me very excited, but sure. like also very 2040 and like way too early, like Bitcoin 2009 level early, sure. you know, is one is like Hyperloop technology sure. because the, the big gigantic problem with Africa is that it's fucking enormous. Yeah. Right. So it's like bullet train that goes 200 k per hour. It's still 16 hour train. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's where I need to go. Um, but like a Hyperloop that can hit 800 k is straight up like, wow. That, that and it's not homogenous, right? I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, so that, that gets me excited, but I don't think there's uh, political maturity to manifest anything of that nature anytime soon. Yeah. But I th I'm very optimistic about South Africa and Africa as a whole, so I believe that'll happen. And once technology becomes cheap enough, sure. you know, like we're kind of forever, you know, <laughs> we're going to be there. I we're going to be there. Don't worry, fam. If you don't believe yeah. now, one day you'll believe. Don't worry. But then the th second thing that gets me fucking excited, like I get like way too excited about this, is like limp technology like Airbus technology, All right. because yeah. like um, the ability, because like, okay, planes solve travel for certain distances, yeah. right? But they don't necessarily always solve travel for other distances, okay. i.e. A, a plane from like Joburg to Maputo is actually a joke. It's a 45 minute flight. Yeah. You don't even like crack, I think like 
the regular like cruising altitude because it's so short. Yeah. Right. So like that that makes no sense whatsoever in my mind. But sure. like a blimp or like an Airbus, for instance, yeah, is perfect for that because it's like it's this thing doesn't go more, closer than more than 250 k's per hour. Yeah. So it becomes a bit longer. Yeah. It's shit scenic as shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's super cheap to run and it's super energy efficient, right? So like, okay, it's it's probably a bit too big outside of the check size for venture. Yeah. On the, on the general side of things, if that makes any sense right now. Sure. Because we're still in the part of the innovation stage where we're still, we're still making, we, we don't have the, 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 the taxi to the Uber yet. Yeah, true. Right? So the, the taxi is still being, the, the Toyota Corolla is still being built. Exactly. Right? But then once the Toyota Prius Corolla, et cetera, gets built, sure. then, you know, the, the, the Uber of Airbus travel can manifest. And another thing that's also super cool about Airbus is that yeah. you need no airport infrastructure whatsoever. Yeah. Because you can land anywhere that's just like smooth, essentially, right? Yeah. Which changes the game. Yeah. Because now there is an airport in every single major, minor and major African city yeah. on the continent, right? Yeah. And then like, from a tourism perspective, it's lush as shit, right? Because like, can you imagine doing like a three hour slow cruise over the Serengeti? Yeah. Like that's a, that's a $10,000 trip, right? Yeah. There, yeah. Without yeah. even like getting out of bed. Like, yeah. I don't even have to like do the math. I just know there are dumb motherfuckers on Instagram <laughs> who will pay out of their ass. To cruise over the Serengeti on an Airbus, right? You know what I mean? True. And also, even me, uh, just a cruise, blah, blah, blah. Like, it would be nice. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. And, like, just a cruise from Joburg to Derbs would be quite a nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a three-hour, four-hour trip. Amount of babes, you, you know, there's endless, there's a lot more walk-like room to maneuver. You don't have to sit and be stuck in this thing. Yeah. You have a little get-down, there's a bar. <laughs> it's a party, right? I think the, the biggest, like, I think that's, that's incredibly cool. But I think, yeah. you know, it's just an issue of, you know, priorities as well, right? I think, you know, right now, at least the feel is that we're trying to solve, you know, uh, must have and not nice to have, you know, problems. So I think, but a lot of nice to have problems end up creating solutions for must have. Exactly. So you know, I think it's all about priorities. And I think the second part is that you know, B two C models in Africa are just incredibly difficult. Right. Just but you guys still invest in them, bro. We do. Wait, actually, let me take that one back, because the example I was about to bring up doesn't count. So I have to take that back. Sorry. <laughs> you carry on. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, ultimately, you know, what is Africa, right? It's pretty much, you know, incredibly fragmented market, right? It's not homogenous. The consumer experience, you know, with most services, it's incredibly poor, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, from a monetization perspective, right, B2B makes sense, right? Because effectively, you're just looking for nodes of demand, right? Going mm -hmm. out to each and every single consumer or reaching like a really large, you know, populace. It's like herding cats. You know, that, that coordination problem is incredibly difficult. So, you know, a lot of the problems right now is tackling B2B problems. And, you know, I think that's maybe, you know, I'd say, you know, VC 2.0. Like v, VC 1.0 was maybe investing in the, like the core infrastructural layer, right? Which is, I think, was maybe like payments technology, all those networks, right? Mm. Mobile you're technology. You're doing Cisco, you're doing the operating system. Exactly, right? And right now, I think, you know, building on top of that, you know, building business use case. And I think, you know, once, I'd say the ecosystems develop much more, then we solve B2C, B2C problems. So, you know, that's not to say that, you know, B2C will, will never, you know, grow in, in its popularity, but I think it's incredibly difficult, right? So, you know, like a blimp, I think would be incredibly cool 
right? But I think you know, the way I'd say um, the Trojan horse, right, is ultimately you know you sell it as some sort of B two you know, B two B you know solution and you know no and, just uh, luxury fuck B two B it's just luxury right yeah. like just get Midrand to pay for it right <laughs> like, that's what Midrand is <laughs> just dumb motherfuckers with money I say that as a resident of Midrand I am proud to be one of those dumb motherfuckers with money but I'm saying like yo you're already spending five thousand rand that tonight at Conquer. Yeah. So then, what's a stronger flex than 5,000 Rand and Conquer? It's like, ah, look at me taking a selfie and you're laughing and <laughs> You see what I'm saying? So, like, I'm just saying, like, look, dude, that, there's that, that kid, uh, Latuma Makos, uh, the guy from Makosa. Yeah. You know, so I remember meeting Latuma in like 2011. Sure. And he was trying to sell me on this hustle of African luxury goods. Yeah. And I was like, no, 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 just buy your African luxury goods, <laughs> bullshit. And it was whack, man. And then, like, he yeah. doubled back on like uh, woolen goods and like I remember meeting him once and then like coming back like a month later, like a year later, and I was like, "What have you done since then?" He's like, "I've just made a jersey." And I was like, "One jersey? Damn, nigga! Like, <laughs> no, you're making one jersey, you know?" And then like I saw the jersey and I was like, "Oh wow. shit!" Okay. Yeah. And then I was like, "I get it now. Yeah. That is an incredibly good strategy. The strategy was simple. It's like don't do a lot, but the things that you do do sure. just like." iPhone that shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. what he ends up doing is like, and shout out to Latuma, because like, fuck, like, I take my hat off to him. He's been one of the most catalytic, or one of the biggest catalysts for the African fashion renaissance. Sure. Because he's the first one to prove that you can make African luxury and export it. And then also, in exporting it, dramatically develop the local market as well. Right? Yeah, sure. So like, Latuma, if he, had, if he had, from a macro perspective, said, this is a terrible idea, because... There is no B2C market in South Africa. Sure. But then if you take a step back and you go, actually, there is a B2C market in South Africa. There's yeah. a fucking enormous B2C market past a certain threshold of income, right? Mm. And once you can crack that market, then it becomes a lot easier to service the markets below. But the problem is, though, is that everyone's like going for that, like, uh, that very problematically reference to India, like idea of like race to the bottom, yeah. right? And the problem is that like our infrastructure doesn't necessarily allow for that race. Yeah. Because above all else, like, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news in the room, but like South Africa doesn't have the tax footprint for bottom to the race to the bottom, like innovations one, yeah. and then on top of that too, like South Africa doesn't have the population. Yeah. You know? Exactly. So like, I mean, stats say says you got fifty five, but then if you ask people in the know, they say it's closer to eighty. Yeah. And I'm like, and then everyone's like, we have too many foreign immigrants. And I'm the only one who's like, no, we have nowhere near enough foreign immigrants. I'm the only one sitting here like, we need 200 million people to make yeah. this work. Yeah. You know, but everyone's like, God, we too much crap. No, no my, like, my biggest issue with the whole, you know, migration, uh, the migration story, you know, and this idea is that, you know, South African, especially corporates, were, you know, we're happy enough to effectively, you know, export a lot of our goods to the rest of Africa, but we're unwilling you know, to effectively import the human capital, right? So we've gone there, you know, displaced quite a lot of, you know, economic activity there. We should <coughs> effectively, you know, import these people, right? Fam, so let's just do a deal. Yeah. No more borders, let us do whatever the fuck we want. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like, it's a great deal. We will, t we will take our capital, resources and skills into this market, right? In yeah. a neo-colonial African <laughs> journey. <laughs> I even get nice Makosa, Makosa pitats, pitats for us. Sure. And it won't be Mapunu and Mlungos doing that, it'll be just black guys. Yeah. But in return for that, like, we can, you know, provide one of the most fertile regions for economic development exactly. on the continent. Because don't get me wrong, like shout out to like what's happening in Nigeria and a lot of East African countries. 
but like we've got roads. <laughs> yeah, cool. Ooh, you've got unicorns. Cute. We've got roads. Yeah. You know, like our shit bangs. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Our universities have load shedding, but the load shedding comes, electricity comes back. <laughs> Don't forget that. Fam, I've traveled through Africa where there's load shedding for days. Yeah. Like different African countries. Just no. Nope. No power. That's, that's, that's life, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just is yeah. what it is. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, you don't have a generator? What? That's crazy. You know? Yeah. So, I, like, my arguments against, like, closed borders is that, guys, we can't fix this with, like, uh, like we can't fix this unless we expand this. Yeah, and, exactly. Like, I think it's human nature to, um, to, to other anything. Right, and yeah. I think that's the first response people have to like those kinds of ideas. And also, like, they will come and ruin things. And it's like, nigga, that's the same thing that apartheid was. White people were like, no, niggas are gonna come and fuck everything up. And like, they <laughs> were wrong on certain aspects. Yeah. And, and, and also, but, and know, also, quite frankly, right, this idea that you know we're getting you know every single country's worse. I mean, I think that's it's ridiculous, right? No, because it's ultimately, you know, if you've you know had you know um, you know they always say you know are you you know a self-starter. Right. If I'm, you know, willing to leave my country to yes. go to another country, yes. we are getting some of the best. Dude, from there, dude, right? like it's like it's like I work with a lot of like Malawian dudes and Malawian people, and like I'm always blown away by not not just the like okay the work ethic is a problematic racist idea like Malawians are hard workers like no Malawians <laughs> are fucking desperate, <laughs> right? But I'm always impressed by like the the ability to just get shit done yeah you know it's like i've got an issue and i'm like yo man that sounds awful and it's like yeah, yeah. it's like what are you gonna do just make a plan you exactly know? and like that's not to say that south africans can't get can't get things done but yeah i feel like uh wow this is controversial but fuck it um i, I i'm pretty obsessed with the founding fathers in american history and i think it was thomas jefferson who described slavery as holding a wolf by the collar he was like, slavery is wrong, like, right? And I think it's fucked up, you know, whatever. Um, no, not me personally, it's Thomas Jefferson. It's like, <laughs> not whatever on slavery. Slavery is fucking bad. Shout out to Dubai, by the way. Um, but he was like, yo, um, it's like holding a wolf by the collar. Yeah. You can't let it go, because if you let it go, it's going to bite you back. And it was wrong, of course, to think that way, mm. because it, it wasn't that in the end. You know, like, if anything, they bit the wolf back. You know, and the same with the, the same arguments we use for apartheid. You know, it's like we, we can't actually stop apartheid because then the blacks will just hot for us. You know mm. what I mean? They didn't realize we just I'm a piano then instead. You know. <laughs> 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 so then, like in South Africa, like your man, super contentious, but like we need to figure out like a better solution with this government grind shit because yeah. that is the wolf on the uh, on the collar that we have right now. Yeah. It's like if you don't solve that problem. Yeah. It continues. And if it continues, one day you won't be able to hold the wolf by the collar. Yeah. But my argument is that, like, you <laughs> actually, that's a strong one. But yeah, I, and that's something, that, yeah, no, I mean, I, I completely agree with you, right? I think, you know, we've, like I said, we've been, become addicted to the sugar, right? And yes. we've got this system yes. where it's so difficult to break because, you know, quite frankly, you know, if we never grant system, right, and they say, you know. There would be no pick and pay. There would be no shop, right? There would be no pet for. Exactly, right? And ultimately, you know, if there's nothing left to eat, if there's nothing left for the poor to eat, what are they going to eat? They're going to eat the rich, mm. right? And you know who are the you know, ultimately the decision makers? You know within our country, it's it the is rich. the rich. You know it, they are the elite, right? I mean, you no, know, anyone in parliament is the elite because they're earning yeah. over a million rand a year. It's like simple as that. Like, you know, um, yeah, a million rand that we know. Oh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Shout out to you, Daddy Sir. <laughs> <laughs> 
Don't come at my farm tonight. <laughs> I shoot niggas on my farm. I don't let people drop 60 million rand for me. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. So, the problem sits there that, like, they're going to eat us. And, like, I don't know, but that's the same argument, like, why people used to have. Yeah. When I was growing up. Like, I remember one time growing up, and, like, like and, like, Shout out to like a lot of the black kids of the 1994 generation, because that integration shit was like unnecessarily one-sided. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah. And it was yeah. like it's like you're at your white friend's house and you're just being a fucking nine-year-old, you know, just being nine and just like you know, yeah. just picking your nose and like pissing on things, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like white dad is like, hey man, can I talk to you about something? And you're like, sure. What do you want to talk about? Like Power yeah. Rangers? And it's like, yeah. no, let's talk about highly complex political issues. What's going on with like Chris Harney? And you're like, nigga, Chris who? I'm nine. I don't know anything about this shit. You know what I mean? Or like even better, like I remember this one white dad. <laughs> like fuck this nigga and his whole family. <laughs> this white dad's like, yeah, man, I love this country, but we're going to immigrate to Medilico. And I was like, oh, that's sad. I'm going to miss you guys. And they're like, yeah, man. It's like, you know, whites won't be able to survive because that's when the blacks are going to eat us. Wow. No, no missing a beat. No, like, yeah, they nudge, tip judge, it down. judge, you know, yeah. nudge, nudge. And I'm like nine. And I'm like, damn, yeah. niggas eat people? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> when did this begin? Yeah. I was in so much of this morning. No one's eating anyone. I was like, what is this? You know, and like, so going back to that argument around, like, they will eat the rich. I'm like, I don't know, maybe. But, like, there's other ways to get around this that are a lot more equitable, right? Yeah. So, like, I've always had this idea that's a bad idea. But, no, it's a terrible idea, which is one of my favorite kinds of ideas. Because venture is just full of terrible, great ideas. Yeah. Right? So, like, the good ideas are bad. The great ideas are the terrible ones. Yeah. And it's just, like, just take 10% of that budget and invest in, like, the world's biggest bike factory. And just become the number one exporter of bikes in Africa. Mm. And like provide government-backed subsidies for people to buy bikes. That's so an that excellent you point. You can solve transportation, and if you solve transportation, you you solve one of the biggest issues around employment. Exactly, and like the one thing you know, I've, I've always kind of wrapped my head around is that you know South Africa missed a big step, you know, when effectively I'd say you know was integrated, and I say that in inverted commas. But mm. you know, we never really had industrialization, right? We've got mm. all these facilities, but we, I mean, look at China's parts of growth, right? Mm. Effectively, we will become the factory. For you know the east and you know eventually globally, mm. you know, and the amount of people they were they were able to bring out of poverty, right? million. Mm. incredible, right? And you know, you know, and we've got the infrastructure in Africa. Why are we not the engine for you know the rest of Africa? Right? But dude, not even the fucking engine, just the university for the rest of Africa. And, and if just you start off with exactly, this, like right? one. And where do we sit today? You know, South Africa. You know, we're mostly a services-based economy, right? Mm. I mean, all these you know incredibly smart guys, you know, working at you know banking or lawyers or you know, mm. it's a service-based economy, which is quite not as productive, right? You need people effectively making cogs, making, you know, all these, you know, yeah, items, yeah. right? I completely agree. Right? We've missed, you know, the, the boat on that. And I think, you know, we I need think we, industrialization. We, it's not that we didn't miss, it's not that we just missed the boat. I think that, and this is going to be controversial, but look, sanctions, like, almost, almost everything in life, barring, like, sexual violence, has some kind of upside to it. You know what I mean? So, like, we're talking about being a black kid in 1994 yeah. and dealing with, like, just casual racism on the rig. If you can survive, you can, like, you can flip that casual racism back on white people, you know what I yeah. mean, very quickly. And, like, you know, you can be, like, actually, it's not just eating the white people. We really want to steal your hair as well. That's what we're really <laughs> after. You know what I mean? But, so, but, like, sanctions in this country during the apartheid era forced us to become very good at manufacturing things. Yeah. And... 
like as a consequence of that, we ended up creating a lot of uh, international parodies. You know what I mean? Like uh, Polo to Rock Lauren. You know what I mean? Yeah. Chicken Liquor to KFC. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole like host of them. Also, by the way, I don't know if you know this. You know, Wimpy's a British company. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. That no, fucking I, blew my mind. That, that blew I know Wimpy was Afrikaans, like yeah. Wimpy. You know, like Wimpy is Wimpy. You know, <laughs> well, it was because the first place I had Vista sauce. So <laughs> <laughs> I started to. It'll come back to me. But I mean, Afrikaans people fuck with Wimpy. So I was like, damn. Oh. I was like, that's crazy. You know? Wow, okay. Um, but the opportunity was like, you have this dramatically large workforce. Yeah. That, and you have somewhat of like quite a the, the, the highest concentration of manufacturing capacity sure. in terms of intellectual capital capital on the continent so it should have been a very simple one too simple of just transition. Saying, yeah we are handing out like funds for factory like yeah. developments left yeah. right and center because yeah. like we had that with textiles mm. but then i think south africa's greatest challenge and south africans as people's greatest challenge is yeah. to see the bigger picture because the problem in south africa is getting to like getting to be part of the cool kids but not having to deal with like any of the actual coolness yeah is very like accessible and like achievable in south africa right yeah and what i mean by that is that like thirty thousand rand a month in this country and like oh you put top 10 percent. i mean exactly, exactly. Yeah, like you live it you live it so like once you, once you can crack that knot it's like oh fuck the poor <laughs> 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 you know, these poor motherfuckers must stand for themselves like i need to focus on what's more important like my holiday you know what i mean yeah so the problem with it is that it's like the it's like uh i listen to the most incredible podcast on incels yeah you know like uh, the guys who are just fucking bizarre yeah bonkers right and also like strange because I'm always like, why would you not be able to meet someone you can have sex with? Yeah. Well, maybe you're the problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if, you, if you can't, uh, yeah, uh, self-propagate. Uh, yeah, you've, yeah, you've been weaned out. Exactly. <laughs> also, of, like of the genetic coding, right? This yeah. isn't. Yeah, exactly. Like, like sorry, this, anything, is, this is the end. This is the end for your your yeah. line, right? Um, and it was all about the insult culture. And the one thing they talk about in the insult culture, and the reason why it became the insult culture was because it had the graduate, the student graduation problem, yeah. right? So um, uh, you're at UCT, you're running a big society, you do a phenomenal job. Yeah. In doing a phenomenal job, you will have to leave the society. And in leaving society, you leave a vacuum for yeah. someone else to fill who doesn't necessarily have the same skill set as you because these are not uh, merito- meritocratic, merit- they're not meritocracy, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, the problem with, it's like, you see it like Julius of Living, all these fuckbags. Oh man, they drive me crazy. It's like, shitbag number one is like, we need to advocate for the rights of the poor. And then it's like, okay, yeah. I successfully create enough noise to get like enough money. You're all your base, exactly. Right, to, to uh, it's not just to get for me personally, not even my base, all right. Yeah. And then once I've got the money, it's like, what are you gonna do for the poor? And it's like, hmm? Poor. Oh yes, I forgot about that. Yes, yes. Ah, rich people. Yeah. Must le- white people must leave the They have too much money, and it's like, what about that breakling? What breakling, nigga? What are you talking about? Get yeah. The fuck up, and know? it's the same play over and over again, right? Over yeah. and over and over again, and it's exactly. like it's so disheartening yeah. as a young person of color in this country because I'm like, come on, we need more visionaries, like someone who can see the bigger picture. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Someone who can see like the global picture, and it's like it's like it's like there's too many people who are like like support black business and it's like that's that's okay but that's not what we need right now right like we need to rethink the model from the ground up yeah you know what i mean like i'm a pan-africanist i deeply believe in this country and i deeply believe in africa but like i just don't believe in any of the fucking ideas that are coming out because they're also pedestrian and grade one and mm-hmm. no one's like no one's like telling us you know 
No one's like, no one's giving us a vision that's so terrifying. Yeah. Be like brilliant and great that like we're angry that you could, you could be so bold as to have that vision. Yeah. yeah. Like poor Cyril goes out and he's like, I want a bullet train that goes from Germany to Germany. Everyone's like, half a track when it's through. What about the regular train? And it's like, guys, do you know how insane life would be with a bullet train to Durban? Yeah. I would finish this podcast and I'd be seeing bombs this afternoon, yeah. my man. It'd be nice, hot weather. Look, and like, you know, yeah. like, it'd be nice. Instead, I have to go back to Midrand. True. But I, I suppose Midrand. it's, you know, yeah. it's, <clears throat> you know, I think we've, we've, in a sense, needed to be myopic, right? Because I think, you know, I completely agree. You know, we've had this, you know, I want big, bold visions, right? That effectively got to change all of our lives. But, you yeah. know, when a large part of you know, your population is still hungry, you know, a lot of them are really starving, a lot of them feel, you know, incredibly disenfranchised. It's very difficult, right, to, to balance the two. I mean, fuck, if I was Cyril, I completely agree. I mean, I'm rich, I would just, you know, <laughs> YOLO it, right? Like yeah. anything big, bold, yeah. and I wouldn't care if they kicked me out of the party because, like, you know, I've made, you know, my money. Right? You, you, you can also do things that can't be undone. That's the most important thing. Incredible, exactly, right? But right now, you know, you're tiptoeing around, like, you know, party lines, and, you know, is that, you know, what we need? No, we don't. We need people who are, you know, legitimately going to be change agents. Right? Mm. So I know, mm. you know, you know it, it does, <laughs> you know, sound, you know, um, incredibly bizarre, but, you know, we need someone, you know, within those positions to, to be incredibly bold and, yeah, right now, we're just not seeing it. And I completely agree. Bullet train, you know, we're solving, like, these really massive problems, right? Yeah. You know, the biggest issue is that, you know, who is the voting base, right? So, like, you know, you know, they might not see that, you know, within the next, you know, 10 years, this is, you know, this has a multiplicative effect, right? Uh, Where, well, like, bullshit, because, uh, no, it's not bullshit to you, but bullshit to that argument, because you're doing fucked up shit in front of them anyway, <laughs> yeah. right? Like you're running up like 26 rounds of toilet rolls at like ESCOM, but like you're scared of a, like a bullet train because it'll upset your base. You're full of shit. Your base doesn't give a shit. Your base is just, no one's going to vote you out of power because you make it too hard for people to actually vote. No, but I think it's all about, you know, existing utility, right? As much as, you know, I understand, you know, I'm getting a toilet roll. I don't see the 26 rand and it's affecting them, but they're not seeing that this... You know, is a, this is, you know, should like long-term destructive, right? So, you know, they're thinking now, right? They're thinking incredibly, you know, short-term. Like, I'm getting a toilet roll. Whether it costs 26 rand or 30 rand, mm. I'm still getting my toilet roll, right? Mm. If I see a bullet train, right? Something that I can only use within, I know, the next, you know, 10, 20, you know, 50 years, right? Which no, is... fuck that, but then like subsidize it. Give it like government-backed, like, you get two, three tickets a year. Yeah, I, I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, that's what they did in China, right? They did it really smartly and like, like shout out to the CCP for like being the CCP, which is just a fucking shit show. Yeah. Um, but above all else, one thing I dramatically recognize and like respect about the CCP and their like nation building exercise, yeah. they were like, you know why we need bullet trains? So that niggas in the most far flung parts of this country can come to the main cities and see what it's like. Yeah. So that they can understand that this is what China is about, right? So the problem right now that we have is that all of the great parts of South Africa yeah. are hidden away from poor people as a consequence of poor public transport infrastructure. But is this not a, a question really about, you know, I'd say forms of government, right, where they could make those, you know, big sweeping decisions because, you know, their political system is, you know, benevolent dictatorship. Oh, they're, right? a one party, they're a one-party kind of system, yeah, it, right? It, it, exactly. Okay, right? we're not. No, I mean, we've got the How majority, right? But, you know, we're playing democracy. No, 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 fam, fam, fam. Let's rewind. Woo! Back to, to 1994. Sure. Like the 80s, 83%. That's a one party democracy in my mind. I don't care what anyone says. But remember, like, we're making a whole lot of. Uh, what can I say? We. You know, we, you know it's. 
you know, with the Chinese party, effectively, like, everyone there is Chinese, right? Whereas, like, here we're trying to manage a fractured state, you know, ultimately, right? Yes, like, mostly was, you know, across racial lines, you know, but, you know, we had other, you know, priorities as well. Like, I you niggas suck at selling things then. Oh, it could be. No, I completely agree. Yeah, right? Where like, we should just yeah. get better at selling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you saw this 2010. Hey, damn! <laughs> that thing was nice! <laughs> I didn't even make any money, and I was like, it was 2010. Ah, that was nice. And you sold it well. Yeah. So I'm saying, oh man, fuck these niggas, because they're the worst. Because it's like, your ideas suck and your selling sucks. Yeah. So like, we can't do anything. Because even when you do try to do something, True. you're bad at it, right? Also, like, we've lost momentum, right? So you mentioned like 2010, you know, that's an incredibly exciting time. I think it was one time, you know, yeah, everyone, you know, there's economic activity, everyone is quite excited. But we've lost momentum because now we've got literally 10 years of nothing happening, right? So, yeah. you know, had, you know, something been implemented, let's say 2011, 2012, you know, I think there's a lot more buy-in, right? Because, Correct. okay, this was incredibly cool. But yeah. now it's... The cynicism you know, is at an all-time high. Oh, yeah. Exactly, right? Yeah. And, and not just, you know, from, you know, which was, you know, traditionally just a white voting base, right? No, it's the ANC, they're doing it wrong. No, no, it's like really incredible, like, intelligent black people who, you know, who are now considering, like, leaving the country, right? Because they also, you know, just don't want to be here. They don't want to yeah, yeah. deal with local government. And it's just, it's like, it erodes and erodes and erodes. Because also, like, government can't hire smart people. Yeah. Because the problem with smart people is that they get into government and they're like, oh, but this is just like, this is not meritocratic. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter what I do. As long as I smile and wave, I'm going to get paid. Which is, like, I think, you know, um, counter to what's happening in the rest of Africa, right? Whereas, like, here we've got you know, incredibly talented people, you know, looking for ways out. You know, the rest of Africa, you know, a lot of the really incredible, you know, entrepreneurs, a lot of, like, really smart black people are coming back into the continent, right? Yeah, yeah, because they had their diaspora migrate, whereas our diaspora couldn't migrate because they didn't get passports. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and then we also had 1994 where... I suppose 1994 is like, uh, I don't know, it's like, it's like really fine dining in Joburg. It seems nice, but it's like not that nice when you know it's actually possible. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know, dude. I think like, just like, I'm, I'm always a big fan of, oh, sorry, on that note, I forgot to mention, like, it's not all doom and gloom. Sure. Um, I was speaking to a friend of mine the other day, and I, I need to double check this and verify this, but... The Nelson Mandela Bay University in yeah. the the Matibas. The Matibas. Varsity uh, <laughs> <laughs> Cup, boys. Uh, the Matibas. Um, they just opened up like a new state of the art medical department. Wow. And my friend's dad runs an NGO that does fire rescue, like does like uh, rescue services. Yes, yes. And he came back and he was like, that is the most impressive medical training facility in the country now. Well, like yeah. one of the most. And it was the first time in, I think, five years when I was like, oh, we start, we've done something new and yeah. it hasn't been a complete catastrophe. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because everything else post-2010 yeah. has been a complete catastrophe. You know what I mean? Mo I mean, yeah, it's been mostly, uh, mostly a, a, a catastrophe, right? I mean, I completely agree. Like, I, I don't mean to sound, you know, like a cynic, because right? I'm incredibly bullish just, you know, on Africa quite generally. And, you know, I love, you know, this country. But, you know, we need to get to a point where we can find out, you know, what is our comparative advantage? We just do that, right? Like, We've got it. Endless universities, endless roads. Like ex exactly, right. Great like, weather. We need like, to leverage that because I feel like right now we're just not doing, you know, okay. as much as we can. So then, let me ask you a pre-prepared question then. If I gave you 500 million rand budget for the South African, from the South African government, yeah. but you've got 12 months to deploy it, where sure. would you allocate that? Uh, oh, just, I'm an industrialist at heart. So I'd be... Making factories. <laughs> okay, so like, you'd be building factory infrastructure. Where? Oh, I think 
for me, it's in the most populous areas, right? Because you don't, I mean, does that make a lot of sense? Maybe, but for me, it really is about, you know, how do you get, you know, the local residents of South Africa economically active, right? Because yeah. if we're not going to be able to solve the education problem short term, you know, how do you get these people productive? So yeah. for me, it really is about, you know, how do we get factories within... You know, also, I, I disagree with you on the solving education problem because no, no, I, I, I moderately disagree with you. What I mean by that is by building up these factories, you need to build skills development pipelines. And remember, South Africa is not that good at education, but skills development were not bad. Like, and that's one thing that always like, like irritates me is that like, we're bad at teaching the trick, but we're pretty good at creating plumbers. And like, no but, one ever likes to acknowledge that. But I think, yeah, I mean, I, I agree to a certain degree, but you know, ultimately it's about, you know, where, who are the biggest hires in this country, right? So you know, ultimately, you know, we're good at schools development. So, you know, factory education is fine, but you know, a lot of these people who won't have, you know, higher education or some sort of, you know, technical education that can't be, you know, hired by, I'd say for, you know, in a better economy, the, you know, the formal economy, they, they need a place to go, right? Yeah, but I mean, that doesn't mean, just because you don't have traditional academic understanding of X, Y, and Z, does not mean that you can't become, like, some kind of high skill but low education, like, job, i.e. nutrition. Uh, no, the point know. that I make is that right now they've got no place to go. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. of the lack of, I'd say, like, formal education. Correct, yeah, yeah. So, so, like, you know, there needs to be a layer of education that's, like, like, I would, I would love to have, like, a pseudo conscription um, implemented mm -hmm. for like graduates from the ages of like seventy, like eighteen to twenty-three, where instead of going to the army and yeah. like learning how to fight and murder people, sure. you just go through like extreme skills development for like two to three years. Yeah, you know what I mean, and like just extreme exposure to skills and like meaningful skills. Sure. Because I think the one thing that scares me a lot about South Africa, yeah, more than crime, more than global warming, more than anything else, is that. Because South Africa doesn't have an overarching idea around what South Africanism or South Africa is. What it means, yeah. The market, the, 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 like the, the society then defaults to the global norm. Okay. And the global norm is capital, you know. Yeah. So, like, what that means then is that, like, you know, I've got a neighbor in Midrand, who um, spends a lot of money at Gucci and a lot of money at like Hermes, oh, I don't even know, just brands I can't pronounce, and I don't even know what the brands <laughs> are. Yeah. All I know is that shit's expensive, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I remember one time like just hanging out because I was taking out my trash, she was taking out my trash, and I was like, you must be really rich. And she was like, oh, why? And I was like, because you're throwing away the bags of the nice stuff. Yeah. You know, like not the nice stuff, but the bags. And like, I know like poor motherfuckers, they will, buy something from Gucci once and they'll carry that motherfucker around with Uros <laughs> in it for the rest of their lives to make sure niggas know they got paper. <laughs> anyway, I was like, yo, so if you, so, so throwing that away might be like, you know, there's an indication that you buy it so often that you don't give a shit. And she was like, okay, yeah, I guess then. And then I was like, like, what do you do? And she was like, oh, like mainly just make videos for like Instagram and stuff. And I was like, girl, you can't be like, getting Gucci bags on Instagram. I know how much Instagram <laughs> girls make. You know? I used yeah. to date Instagram girls, you know? And then she's like, well, I'm not paying for it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you've got venture capital, man. Kind of you're an entrepreneur. Okay, I see. And what that means then is that this young person, because they feel so alienated from this country, mm. can only really access a meme of like luxury goods and like excess 
to, to, to be their defining trait. Yeah. Whereas in other countries, they're lucky that their propaganda structures are like good enough to distract children from that a bit. Sure. So like in the States, you know, they have this very, very problematic but very scalable idea around patriotism yeah. that convinces children that America should come before like Gucci. Yeah. You know, and in the UK, they have the greatest propaganda system in the world. God, country like, flex. Yeah. Babes. No, like the UK are the greatest because no one comes close to the UK when it comes to soft power. Because like the English Premier League is not about football, it's about soft power. Yeah. Harry, the reason why niggas were so like so hacked when Harry was like deuces <laughs> minus one to the royal family was not because like they were like, we're gonna miss Harry. No, they treated him like a nigga his whole life. <laughs> he was always the ranger, you know. Like that's why I fuck with Harry, because yeah. that's my nigga. He's black like me, right? Yeah. Um, they were hacked because they were like, fam, you are an employee of the British government. Their biggest export is influence. That's it, yeah. right? So like when Trump came to power and he was shitting the bed like for everyone's like view, it was like, it's not that Trump is like a, like a moron, that he was. The problem is that like he's fucking up your soft power. Mm. And remember your soft power is what made you the most powerful nation in the world without conflict. Yeah. Your nukes stopped the conflict. Yeah. But remember what made America the most loved country and the most popular country and the richest country in the world was Coca-Cola, McDonald's and Michael Jordan. Yeah. Know, it was Americana. Yeah. And Trump literally just put a knife through Americana yeah. and let it bleed to death. You yeah. know what I mean? Whereas, like, even Barry O, you know, I, I'm a huge... I think Barack Obama's the sexiest motherfucker alive. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have much to say about him as a president, but Barack Obama was one of the great American exports of culture and, like, uh, yeah. soft power, right? And so I'm saying in South Africa, the ANC has forgotten that the ANC is not South Africa. South Africa needs its own cultural meme. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And right now, that cultural meme, if it's not directed or supported by the state and like influenced by the state, yeah. will come from just like the general market. Yeah. And right now, the general market says South Africa's cultural meme is I'm a piano and expensive goods. Yeah. Which, which is a big issue, right? I mean, Massive. Because I mean, it scales out of control. And you look, can't at, look, at, look at Rwanda, right? So, I mean, they've effectively, like their cultural, you know, identifiers, you know, we will be the home of innovation in Africa. And we're but, the cleanest mother country in the, in the world. Exactly. And, you know, there's other you know, problematic things that happen in the country. I mean, it's... Gang <laughs> it's problematic. Exactly. Gang problematic. But, yeah. you know, what do you think when you think of Rwanda? At least, you know, your initial picture. Good governance, clean, very efficient. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of positives. There are very few negatives. Exactly. When, ironically enough, South Africa kicks Rwanda's ass in like 9 out of 10 metrics. Exactly. But because of this mixed messaging and our inability to control our own narrative, yeah. everyone's like, from Joburg, don't people just get shot there all the time? And yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm the one who shoots there. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, what the fuck do you think this is? Go ahead and your money. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. like, and then like, but like, you know, like South Africa needs to get like smarter about this shit. Like, sure. you know, like Cape Town is like, Cape Town like is like this accidental film location. You know? Yeah. But like, stop making that fucking accidental. Put up a bounty, right? So like True. American yeah. film producers will pay ten million dollars just to make the OC in like Cape Town repeatedly over and over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Send the yeah. Chinese guys, yo, bring thirty Chinese niggas here, shoot the OC China, Camp <laughs> yeah. Spain, you know? Yeah. And it's in Chinese, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you're selling the dreams, you're selling the meme, exactly. and you're selling South Africa, and you can't sell South Africa like with like. Justin Springboks. Come on, yeah. guys. What are you saying? <laughs> like, fear cannot be our only job. Invictus like, you know is not saying? enough. Yeah. Nigga, come on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, come on, B. When is the last time we had anything about South Africa that was, like, dope? Like, you know what I mean? And, like, it's not, it's not a consequence of a lack of ability. Yeah. It's the will. 
Yeah, exactly. And like for me, I don't even want to get into like why the ANC is not the problem. Because I don't think the ANC is the problem in the sense that like the ANC is the problem in the same way that like shitting on a dog for eating the meat when you left the fridge open is a problem. Yeah. Like the dog's just being a dog. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you can't shit on it for it. Like the problem is the system. Yeah, right? exactly. Traditional representative democracy is a problem, not the ANC. Anyway, I digress. So like that's why I'm like, it's not that we can't win. It's just that like we're focusing on the wrong things and we're not focusing on the things that we can win today. And as yeah. you were saying earlier, like with the, the, the factory um, example, right? Yeah. So it's like you can't win education today. True. So what can you win in Fandakh? Like, can you build factories? Yes. Yeah. Can you build roads? Yes. Can we build more universities? Yeah, definitely. We have yeah. more than enough graduates to staff and you know, fund those universities. And even if we don't have the graduates to staff them, we have enough African graduates to come in and become come those in. professors. Exactly. Right? But what do we have? We have a stable currency, yeah. we're stabler than most currency. We have really good roads. We have really like large open spaces that are easily to transform into livable spaces. Yep. And we have uh, pretty good systems around like ensuring the validity of certain economic and uh, educational qualifications right exactly. so like no one no like casa is a recognized qualification globally yes yeah, 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 so i'm yeah, saying yeah. like if you go to northern kzn yeah like close to your your industrialist city you know um and you just build up another 10 to 20 universities with like a very hard focus on hard sciences yeah and like medicine and so on and so forth right and then like you even just raise debt for that don't even fucking pay for it yeah. All that money that's going to be paying for that is going to come from African countries. Exactly. Right. And it's like, cool. It's like, we don't have to compete with America. We just have to beat everyone else in Africa to become the largest, like, you know, economy in Africa yep. to allow Africa to have this global, like, you know, play in, in the market. Yeah. But the problem is, though, is that, like, you can't get shit done because, like, the guy who's trying to sell this dream or sell this idea is sitting next to a guy who's doing cocaine at the same meeting. The guy next to her, who's, who's FaceTiming the whole meeting on WhatsApp and Instagram to his followers, yeah. and then the a guy in the end is like, "Yeah, but we should also just fix like something logical, like scrap EE." Sure. And I'm like, "Don't just scrap EE. You don't have to scrap any of these things, right?" Yeah. You, know, you just have to like have a much more expansive approach to this. Exactly. Having a pretty expansive approach, and also just how do we know if, if we're doing a good job? We right. don't. We, we, we don't. Exactly. Yeah, our feedback right? systems so, don't work. See, exactly. Feedback mechanisms don't work for one. And secondly, you know, there is no, you know, you mentioned, you know, this idea of, you know, South African exceptionalism, right? Like, we need to identify what would make South African great. Is it, you know, having, let's say, you know, an unemployment rate of sub 5%? You know, is it, you know, we need, like, targeted, structured and targeted goals, right? Mm -hmm. You know, ultimately, mm -hmm. and we can track those, you know, they, yeah. it makes them measurable, right? Because right now, you know, we're kind of flowing in the wind, right? And, you know, as problem, you know, with, Somewhat having you know a, a populist you know uh, you know government you know to, to be quite frank you know that we just kind of go with whatever's you know hot right now without thinking you know you know for the industrial revolution <laughs> <laughs> exactly. the industrial revolution exactly. what does that even mean like, <laughs> exactly. give me an example besides the Vodacom advert you yeah know. you know and the, the the current presidency right we should see you know positive impacts you know within the next you know four or five you know yeah, ten yeah. years right? yeah. and I think you know, look I mean change. I feel like our president, and this is like currently today on the 10th of June or whatever it is, has quoted far too much controversy with his most recent you know, revelations. But I think above all else, one thing I do admire about the current state is their extreme dogged determination to deleverage ESCOM from its death. <laughs> like, I take my fucking hat off to that team. Like, yeah. like 
say like I know 20 or 21 we had the worst load shedding in record history yeah but that doesn't bother me at all I'll take load shedding for another 10 years the debt reduction is what fucks me up yeah so like that's what I'm concerned about because if you don't even if they're like shut no more load shedding forever but this debt doesn't get serviced properly what's the point you yeah. can't move forward yeah. you see what I'm yeah. saying yeah so like you know shout outs to Cyril and the gang and Dorates and the gang for like being less focused on electricity generation and more focused on debt reduction because on the long t- in the short term yeah it's irritating yeah but like niggas let's be realistic like the reason why there is no bullet train to Durban is because the money got jacked yeah why exactly. did the money get jacked because the money went to ESCOM so niggas could have 26 rand rolls of toilet paper right yeah, exactly. so I'm saying we can't have a bullet train now because we don't have the capital because we have to service this debt yeah. right so it's like get rid of the debt first yeah then we have extra capital yeah then we can just keep building this comes to your, your, your earlier points about, you know, we need the core infrastructure, right? Yeah. So, like, if ESCOM doesn't work, nothing works. <laughs> right? Fam, fam, yeah. Nothing and works. Yeah, yeah, and I'm super excited because it's also, like, wildly convenient timing. You know what I mean? Like, ESCOM's going green, and, like, the green revolution is going fucking tits up like crazy, right? Like, yeah. Like, I know way too many South Africans now who are just, like, are not on ESCOM yeah. at all. Yeah. Like, I have a lot of friends who live in the north who are, like, not an ESCOM, like Living off the grid. batteries exactly. and solar and that's it and it exactly. works. And I'm saying like, I, I am very confident that in the next five years, the municipality of Stellenbosch will be almost, if not 80%, 100% off of the grid. Yeah. And like, they will become electricity sellers, not buyers. Yeah. I know way too many dudes in that part of the world who like, are generating enough electricity for like a family, of like for 20 to 50 different houses, yeah. just chilling and like turning off like panels because the batteries are just charged way too hard. You know yeah. what I mean? And like, and way too many. So we and like yeah. So 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 in a long enough time scale, you'll see that starting to scale. And then once that scales, and we can deleverage ourselves from ESCOM's debt and from ESCOM as a whole, and look to a more dynamic power and energy mix. Sure. Like that's when it gets super fucking interesting, you know. And like I think that's one of the hardest things. And some adventure, I think you can appreciate this, is that life is a lot about unlocking. It's like it's like. Um, you want to lose weight, right? Or you want to, um, I don't know, you want to go, like do a degree part-time, yeah. right? Like the desire is the first and foremost important thing. But then you need to look for habits that can unlock multiple like multipliers or multiple like effects of like efficiency, right? Yeah. So exactly. if you're like trying to study for like a degree part-time, you need to like quit drinking. Yeah. Because if you quit drinking, that means you're not going to wake up hungover anymore. Yeah. And if you stop waking up hungover, that means you might be able to wake up an hour early every day, yeah. which means you can put in an hour of studying in, as opposed to like rushing to get to work. And that multiplies and compounds over time. Yeah. Right? So it's a force multiplier, essentially. Yeah. And the same with like, if you want to like, you know, get buff. Like first and foremost, you've got to fix your diet. Exactly. Then once you fix your diet, you need to fix your bedtime. Then once you fix your bedtime, you need to train it. Once you've got those three in place, yeah. then you don't have to do anything more. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because the idea of going to bed early is no longer a radical one. It's just something that you just are physically tired around eight. Yeah. Right? And that going to gym doesn't seem like a lust because you're waking up early and you've got time. And then on top of that, having a trainer makes it even easier because when you get there, you're not like, oh, what should I do today? You see what I'm saying? Exactly. So South Africa, ESCOM, deleveraging ESCOM's debt to me is, is like going to bed early. Yeah, it's like it's going to open up a lot more opportunity for capital deployment in other spaces that aren't currently functioning correctly. Exactly. But, um, and and hopefully we can start looking at really elegant strategies to almost bankrupt the current problematic aspects of our society. Yeah. To open up new ones. Yeah. Right. So it's like don't try save home affairs. 
look at ways in which we can outsource this more efficiently. I, I fully agree, because right now, you know, especially with, with XCOM's debt, what we're doing is that we're throwing good money at bad. Mm. Right. That's all it is, right? Mm. It's legitimately taking a shovel and you know, throwing it into the furnace. So. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. So that's why I say, like, I think presidents are such a hard thing to gauge, because on, on one hand, all the presidents that like were your faves are, end up like becoming child molesters, right? Like, <laughs> Bill Clinton, my nigga. <laughs> right? Like uh, before Bill Clinton got cuffed with that Monica Lewinsky shit, like I was a massive fan. And even after he got cuffed with Monica Lewinsky, I was like, well, you know, he's a man, he's a man. Like, you know, my just, <laughs> he's from Arkansas, he's a man, you know? And then then like it was like, yeah, he's like raping kids. I was like, oh shit. Okay. That's <laughs> that's an X for me. That's 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 I'm gonna put that one away. And so like the, the, the argument that people lever, lever, like, um, level at Cyril and the gang, I'm always like, look, even if you don't like them, they're still doing one thing right. And that's the most important thing for me. Because if you get that one thing right, Yonki and Dora, like a lot of other things will fall into place. Yeah. And so when people are like, you know, he must go, he must go because of this and this and this, I'm like, no, no, no. Once we sort out this death thing, throw yeah. him out the sky. I don't care. But it feels, you know, a little bit like Twitter culture, right? Where it's either you're being cancelled or you're the greatest thing on earth, right? So ultimately, you know, ah! it, it, it can it can be both, right? So yeah, you know, yeah, ultimately, you know, yeah. you know, he does, you know, have his flaws and you know every president in the world do. But like, you know, you do good things and bad things, right? I think, you know, you can't, you know, you know, kind of you know, rate these people you know, within the vacuum, right? So you know No, I don't think he even can rate them and so like it's over as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like if you just look at Zuma for instance, like Zuma part one, right? Okay, season one. Like, he's corrupt, somebody's corrupt, nyana. You know what I mean? Like, he's not, he's, not, he's not really, like, getting, like, mean with it. You know what I mean? And then when, like, Cyril comes in for, like, part two, it's like, ah, nigga, step back. Let me show you how to two-step. And then that's when, like, the Guptas are like, yo, give me a Swiss beats beat. Yeah. You know, they're going crazy. The last one's the club. Right, like, yeah. <laughs> last round. That's where they come with the Moe Magnum of Fana. You know, you know, you go to those, you know, those clubs where they just have bottles and they come with the Moe Magnum, yeah. like 20 liters. And the girls are holding yeah, it. It's like 20 sparklers. Yeah. That was 2014 to 2018 for Zuma. It was just my drink and my two-step. So, like, Ustaril and, like, even Mbeki. Like, Mbeki part one is nothing. Part two is what got us the Gau train. You know, yeah. part two is what got us the World Cup. Yeah. So, like, I'm like, listen, like, fix the debt first. Yeah. Because Salah, that's the most important thing. Yeah. Because we don't know what's to come, sure. right? Because like COVID showed us that no one knows this 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 decade is going to be like. Yeah. But what I do know is having that amount of debt that's like just spiraling out of control yeah. will not put us on good footing for anything that's next to come. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm um, speaking of which things of next to come. Are there any people? Just it's the question I like to ask people: Is there anyone that you deeply don't admire, or despise, or just like the person you admire the least? In the world, have you ever thought about that? I don't, uh, I've never thought about that, you know, too deeply. Yeah. Right. Because you know, I've always tried to have, you know, I'd say a more tempered approach to, you know, to understanding people. There's people, you know, whose views I completely conflict with what I believe. Yeah. But you know, that's not to say that you know I shouldn't hear what they have to say, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no. your your views are also flawed. Exactly. Right. So, you know, ultimately, right? Like, you know, what's that? What's that saying? Right. So. Uh, Strong convictions loosely held. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, so yeah Whatever yeah. you know, there's you know, let's say a, a new information point. You know, I'm mm. I'm willingly, you know, happy to change change my viewpoint. So there's all what I you know inherently despise. Okay. Right? But you know, there are some people who just 
yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I'd rather not engage yeah. with, you know, but that doesn't mean that they don't know what they're talking about. Okay, okay. Um, what are the most interesting arbitrage opportunities you know of, or you can think of? Arbitrage opportunities. Mm. So, um, especially in the venture capital space, I think a lot of your B2B e-commerce ideas, right? Because, you know, a lot of, what, what a lot of founders are doing ultimately is that they're raising capital at, you know, multiples of revenue and all they do is become acquisition agents, right? So mm. they can buy, you know, much smaller companies and effectively roll them up at multiples of EBITDA, right? So that for me is, you know, it's one of the most, you know, interesting arbitrage, right? Where if you can raise, you know, if you're small venture capital as one of these B2B uh, commerce uh, retailers, right? Then effectively you just roll them up and, you know, you, you pump your GMV multiple and mm. you can make a lot of money doing that. You know, uh, you know, in the long term, you know, will 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 will, will some of these models work out? Maybe not, but I think right now that's that's incredibly interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Do you have any thoughts on Sheehan? On she oh yeah, um, that's a credible model, right? I think. Is it? Well, because don't get me wrong, I thought it was incredible as well, and then I stopped and I was like, I've seen these movies before. <laughs> I thought it was incredible. I'm like that shit didn't work. You know what I mean? You know, but it depends on like what the USP is, right? They effectively don't. How can I say? They're operationalizing retail for. China, right, in, in many respects, right? So, you know, what is, you know, their value proposition? They're going after, you know, incredibly budget conscious, you know, customer, mm -hmm. right? So, if, you know, if I could give you loads of variety, right, in fact, if you're paying in advance, they don't have any working capital problems, they don't really have much inventory, right? These are probably sitting in some factory somewhere. So, I think as a model, it's incredibly appealing, right? But I don't think, is it disruptive? Not really, right? But I think as, you know, a sales engine, I think it's, it's, it's incredibly cool. Yeah, I, I, I sometimes look at the Sheehan model and I think to myself, there's a lot of like garnishing here to make this thing seem a lot more personal than it actually is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, is it, and I think maybe there is a bit of hype, right? Because, you know, is it a tech company? Not really, right? But, you know, that's how people want to frame it. It's not. It's basically a on, it's online. It's price. That's exactly. Super, 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 super scale. Online retailer, super scale, super cheap. And, you know, I think, you know, they've, worked a lot of their fulfillment issues out. So, you know, they figured that component out. But, you know, is it revolutionary? No, but neither Zara, but, you know, that's a shit ton of money as well, right? Jesus Christ, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose Zara's revolutionary or, or revolutionary, like, uh, moat was their ability to turn around fashion so quickly. Exactly, like, um, right. Like, proliferation of, you know, fast fashion, right? But then, you know, in, what, five, ten years, then we talk about, you know, sustainability, you know, will these models be as attractive? Not really, right? right? Because fast fashion, you know, in, in many respects is, you know, killing the world. Right? But even, like, even luxury fashion now, like, I was, I was doing a deep dive into Gucci the other day, yeah. and, like, Gucci's fucking fascinating, dude, and, like, they're becoming more zarified as they go along, because, like, now they're employing partnerships at scale that, like, I, I personally don't think it make any sense, but I know nothing about fashion, so I yeah. can like, have an argument from that. Um, and then, like, if you look at the growth of their marketing budget on a global scale, it's just like it's one of the biggest. Yeah. They have a bigger marketing budget than most of their non-luxury goods competitors. I mean, what is luxury? I mean, it really is expensive. Exactly, That's it's mostly propaganda. Right? Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. to be quite frank, because you know the utility is, is somewhat the same. And you know, don't get me wrong, I love cool shit. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> you know, we all, we all love cool shit. I love nice, nice things. Right? Yeah, but you know, should we be paying for it? No. How much? But, how much of that like growth in the luxury goods market and, and the growth that we're going to see because it's not slowing down? It's, yeah. like, it's, if, if anything, if there's an exponential market for growth, it's luxury goods. Yeah. VC, you know what I mean? I'm surprised there are not more people in VC. 
and luxury goods. You know, like I, I met a dude who worked at Allbirds the other day. Again, not Allbirds. Yeah, Allbirds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like, I was like speaking to him, and I was like, "What do you guys actually do?" And he was like, "Oh, we're a luxury goods company." And I was like, "Great. Yeah. Here you can stay. Like, you see the bigger picture." <laughs> yeah. He was trying to gas me on like utility and athleticism, and I was like, "Nigga, what do you do?" No, ultimately, and, yeah. you know, I know, like, especially like we mentioned, like they are the look of VC, right? You're yeah. Allbirds. <laughs> 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 like the ultimate way to raise VC, dress VC, dress VC, exactly. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> it reminds me of this very famous story of the Instacart guys um, when they launched. They tried to get into YC, yeah. and Gary Tan was a partner there, and they missed the deadline or they got rejected or something. Yeah, and they just sent the nigga like a six pack of gifts <laughs> and like a two hundred rand voucher for Instacart, <laughs> and he was like, okay, and then he used it, and he was like, I don't. And I was like, <laughs> gang hustle, gang hustle. I mean, yeah, you gotta respect hustle. the hustler. Right? Yeah. So I think you know a lot of yeah, I could say the the go to markets or a lot of these stories, like there's, there's certain unsavory elements, right? And I suppose, you know, super early yeah, like Facebook. It's like <laughs> you're starting a website to get back at your girlfriend and then marrying her. Exactly, right? You know, effectively you are doing what you have to do, right? But I think, you know, yeah. it's all about, you know, understanding, you know, what are they trying to achieve, right? So True. you know, it's pretty unsavory and you know, it makes for great, you know, uh, anecdotes, yeah. you know, now. But you know Also I think we always remember like VCs are just really human beings. And <laughs> I hate I, I don't like to believe that as an entrepreneur, yeah. it down. But like I always like to remind myself that like one like ninety percent of in fact maybe ninety eight percent of people in VC don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Like, let's oh, be honest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One, two, like in fact this is a question I should ask you then rather than try to get into this. Operator versus sure. non operator as your partner yeah. in VC. Yeah. What are the benefits and what are non-benefits? What I mean by that is, Vinny is an operator turned VC, but sure. he's still an operator actually. He's not a VC. Still an operator. Yeah. yeah. Whereas um, other guys are like raising capital, or like very you know talented people in other parts of finance, sure. and they move into VC and now they the VC. So, how do you view that from your perspective, and how do you view that from the finance perspective when trying yeah. to do a deal? I think, you know, I, ideally you would have, you know, an operator leading it, right? Because ultimately they've done it before, yeah. right? So there's certain contextual elements which, you know, a non-operator will just never understand, right? Yeah. But at the same extent, right, like non-operators come with, I'd say, you know, they can see the forest through the trees, right? Ultimately it's much broader picture, right? So they're not thinking about, you know, the, the, the nuts and bolts, you know, they can take a lot, much larger macro view, right? And that's what I found, you know, in a lot of my experiences that, you know, you know, a lot of, you know, operators, right, like they know how to build, you know, a business really well, right, but they don't know how to structure, you know, they don't know how to raise capital, you know, there's, there's certain skill sets, you know, that come, you know, from being, you know, an outsider, right, and I think it's always, you know, beneficial to have that mix, mm. and, you know, and I think, you know, the other is just, you know, the scarcity of talent, you know, how many operators actually want, you know, to join the VC, <laughs> right? Also, don't forget... Most operators are cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, re I remember speaking to someone like when I was looking for a job a few years ago, and they were like, "Would you like to join our firm?" And I was like, "Yeah, but I don't think I should." And they're like, "Why?" And it's like, "Nigga, because I listen to Young Jeezy at full blast." You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't listen to Classic FM, right? Yeah. Like, operators yeah. generally tend to be lunatics because yeah. they see the game that in ways that no one else does. Ex right? Exactly right, and also it depends on the stage, you know, where you're at, right? Mm. Because I think you know if you're starting, you know, something that's incredibly niche, incredibly small, you want a crew of operators, right? Because ultimately you want was it the, the den of thieves, right? Yeah. <laughs> where ultimately you want a whole bunch of pirates, 
you know, that are going to basically, you know, swashbuckle and, you know, <laughs> and pillage their, as best they can, right? Yeah. But as, you know, institutions have already become large, you know, they become a lot more, they, they put emphasis on like governance structures because, you know, what's the exit for some of these companies, right? Like they want to go public. You can't have, you know, you need like those suits, you know, the people Dude. who are non-operators, people I'm who come from that, same that kind of background, right, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, yeah, look, I think also you're right. It's a staging thing as well because, like, I was speaking to a dude who's late stage venture, yeah. uh, and like you, his background is primarily in finance. And uh, like, I, I think late stage is is very, very governance heavy. Exactly. You know what I mean? And yeah. like, I read that book by Elad Gill, the handbook for like scaling companies. Yeah. And there's a really great, there's two great interviews in the Well Rabbi Khan's way. In the beginning, he talks about his. He talks about like being an operator essentially and what you need to get right. And then in the, at the end of the book, he talks about late stage. Yeah. And what he talks about is that like, the strategy at late stage is so fundamentally different from oh, the beginning. Oh, it could be different. You know it what I mean? Because different. like, yeah. it's almost like, <laughs> if you really like, it's almost like operators, operators almost hate late stage. Because it's almost <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. What, what is this paper? I don't want to deal with this <laughs> shit. I'm shipping clothes. <laughs> Fuck you, leave me alone. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I totally get why like some like founders, like, you know, like I, I, I could be fucking this up. So if I am, please forgive me. But like, I look at like the Collison brothers yeah. and like the, the black one, he's like now doing paper, he's late stage. Like he's on the newspaper, you know, he's like structuring things and dealing with the SEC. Yeah. And like the other one is like, nah, I just want to close. <laughs> <laughs> and I can, fuck, I can fuck with that. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, it's like, there's some guys who are football managers who are like, like who are spreadsheet managers. Rafa Benitez. Benitez. Yeah, exactly. Then there are guys who are like club who want to play. Exactly. And yeah. like, are irritated that they have to manage because they yeah. actually want to jam. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. And like, yeah. You, not neither one is like necessarily better than the other, but sure. you know, like I think it's more the climate you find yourself in. Oh, okay. That makes a huge difference. Exactly, right. So, like, the way I've always kind of segmented the two, right, is that, you know, effectively, like, your operators for me is like, how do you get rich? Right? Yeah. And then growth stage is more like, how do you stay rich? Yeah. yeah <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, how do you not, you know, uh, you know, very much fuck it up, right? Because, yeah, yeah. like, there's a lot more, you know, at stake, you know, to certain, to certain degrees. Correct, right? like, correct. You know, as soon as you, and as soon as you introduce, you know, venture capital to some degrees, right, there's going to be, you know, lots of emphasis on governance, a lot of emphasis on, you know, how yeah. do you grow even more, right? Whereas, but I think, there always needs to be some kind of, and I think someone like ACCMV from my very limited knowledge and my friends who've got taken money from ACCMV is, they have a very good balance of like um, suits and operators internally. Yeah. And my one friend who's got, who's got investments from ACCMV, as he said, like he, he, he has two partners that he deals with and the one partner is an operator like him. Yeah. And the other one's a suit. And him and the suit are essentially like in the most ungovernable relationship possible because she's like always like pressing him pressing him pressing him and he's always like oh fuck yourself go fuck yourself and then the operator slides in and he's like yeah man fuck her what do you need to do dog let me help you and then like, the same thing <laughs> yeah, <that's> like, <laughs> it's like good come back because up. the operator could just speak this guy's language yeah right yeah. so it's almost like in rap music or like hip-hop like it's like your a&r is less about like actually finding talent as much as like being able to get talent to trust him. Yeah, exactly. You see what I'm saying? And like, He's a suit in Jordan's. That's, yeah, that's what an operator is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And like, uh, having briefly worked with Vinny, like, there's huge value working with him because like, he's an operator, so he's not stuck for nuts. Yeah. You know, and what that means is that he can really help you, you know, 
like take the acid and see the matrix for what it is. Yeah. But yeah. Going back to our luxury goods uh, argument just now and what is luxury goods. Like, do you guys ever make like very sweeping um, macro uh, like assumptions based on certain trends, like i.e. The, 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 the dramatic proliferation of luxury goods and the necessity for its existence and for its need yeah. is directly tied to the, the growth and popularity of super apps like Instagram and TikTok. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like my argument is always that like um, the future of almost every fashion brand in the world is predicated on their ability to navigate and manifest themselves fully on TikTok and Instagram. Yeah. And they're like a maze. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. The opposite. Like the entire <laughs> strategy is don't be on Instagram, right? Yeah. Um, like with that knowledge, do you guys, how do you see that space? And especially like in light of the fact that like NFTs and Web3, like NFTs and Web3 are just luxury goods in my mind. I don't hear what anyone says anymore. Yeah. I'm like, mm, it's just a luxury good. Yeah. Right. Um, and like, I didn't, I, when I saw, first saw NFTs, I was like, are oh, they cool? I know I didn't say they think they're cool because I saw them on CryptoKitties and I was like, ah. This is too buggy. I don't understand what the point of this sure. is. You know? And then like when like, you know, the JPEGs started exploding in popularity. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't get it. But now I'm like in a better place. And the one thing that I'm starting to understand is that like it's it's essentially luxury good to some extent. Yeah. So I mean like how do you guys see that as like Web3 investors um, looking at the parallels between luxury goods and like NFTs and yeah. what do you think the future of that is? I think the, the first thing that you know, we recognize, so we'd like to take a long-term view of these things, right? But mm -hmm. there are existing trends, right? So mm -hmm. if you look at the you know, traditional luxury goods, right? You know, what was the first problem you're solving? The, the first is really a fulfillment, right? So where, how do you get these fulfillment networks right, right? And once you open those, you know, trade lanes, you know, invariably, you know, there will be a rise of access to these luxury goods, right? I think it will fall. It's, you know, you, know you, you, you can see stuff on, you know, I can speak as a child, right? Yeah. In, in music videos, you'd be like, oh, that's incredibly cool. But yeah. now I can legitimately like order, right? You know, e-commerce, all of my phones, it can be delivered within, you know, the next week or two, you know? So that's the way that we've seen, you know, Web3 in certain respects, right? Is that, you know, you've got people building the infrastructure that essentially reduces the friction Right, to access to like some of these apps, right? Like opening up a Luna card, it's like incredibly easy, right? Just for example, right? And you know, over time, well, at least what we've seen is that people are becoming more socialized to the idea of you know Web three generally, right? Like it might start off as okay, I'm opening up just a trading account to buy you know some Bitcoin. Why? Because you know it sounded interesting, right? Is that the most informed decision? Probably not, right? But I think you know you started to build that. You know, yeah, but it's buying a bottle of champagne. Exactly, same right? price. 100%, right? And, you know, before, you know, you buy, you know, the bottle of, I don't know, the bottle of a gold, you know, the gold naces, you know, you might start off with JT, then you'll buy, you know. Yeah, yeah, JT Lerox. Lerox, nigga, Lerox. You know, and that's what happens, right? And, you know, I think what's incredibly cool that we see, right? And, you know, I think we've spoken about this, you know, a little bit, you know, off, you know, off camera is that, you know, you know, what, is the problem that Web3 is solving, you know, there's probably a Web2 alternative, right? And some of the biggest companies, some of the best, at least the most exciting companies that we're doing is basically giving you a Web3 product in a Web2 kind of interface, right? So you need a mesh of the two, right? Because, you know, you know to explain... You need to a PDF catalog for the, the, the e-commerce store in Ex 1995. Exactly, yeah. right? Yeah, you know, like, you know, when you, when you start to build the internet, there were a whole bunch of, like, just really weird, like, web pages, right? But, you know, that effectively allowed stuff like social media to happen. Mm -hmm. So, 
So the same way with, you know, with luxury goods, right? So at first it started off that we were getting the Surprise, then we were getting you know, Adidas, then we are getting Nike. Now, you know, we've got access to Louis Vuitton. And, you know, over time as well, right? You know, if you, if you believe in the thesis, at least in Africa, that, you know, there is a growing middle class, right? I think, mm -hmm. what, 1.2 billion people, 2.4, you know, who are, you know, basically rising uh, in, in wealth in, in certain respects, right? So you have to make that view that, you know, these uh, products will be needed at, at, to some degree, mm. right? Okay. I mean, okay, let's, let's just stay with Web3 for a second. What are interesting innovations that you've seen in Web3 that like, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a deep skeptic on Web3. Yeah. Like deep, deep, deep. But uh, that's just because as we were talking about earlier, sure. you need to always assume that everything in tech is a scam. You should always assume that because nine out of 10 things will be a scam. Yeah, no, that's not to say that I'm like, as a, as a, as a venture guy, you, you also need to make peace with the fact that you will get FOMO. You yeah. have to, because at the end of the day, if you're chasing FOMO, like you're gonna do dumb fucking deals <laughs> yeah. because like you're just so excited. And there's like there's this mimicry problem that exists in venture where like, especially in Africa, where it's like, oh, this, this company seems good. So-and-so invested in it in Kenya and he's yeah. smart. Okay, well, I'll invest in South Africa. Oh, my buddy in South Africa, he's smart. Oh, and then now like there's one company eating all of the fucking returns. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, what are the innovations you've seen right now in this winter that we're in that are like making you a lot more optimistic about the future of Web3? Okay, so I think there's a couple things, right, where you know, this idea of, of, of FOMO, right? So, yeah. you know, some of the big questions we're trying to answer is, you know, why now? What is the catalyst to this thing really mm -hmm. growing, right? And, you know, at least my personal view is always, you know, there's nothing wrong with being wrong, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. As long as you're wrong for the right reasons, right? Correct. So, yeah, don't know, judge uh, the decision based on its outcome. Exactly, yeah. right. So, you know, ultimately, if you're a custodian of capital, you shouldn't get FOMO, right? You yeah. should be able to, you know, think quite critically. And that's not to say that doesn't happen, right? There's certain, you know, sex with your heart. And it really just depends on, like, what is your outcome, right? If I'm looking to, you know, let's say, you know, double my money, right? And I might, you know, jump on something because, oh, why? Because it's going to be hot and I know I can get, like, a really cool exit, <laughs> right? But, you know, if I'm thinking about what is truly disruptive, you know, I should be able to, you know, some degrees, you know, look through the cycle. Like, it's hard, <laughs> right? It is hard, right? Especially when your LPs are seeing, you know, competing funds, you know, investing in some you know, incredibly, you know, topical startups and, you know, these things seem to be growing, you know, you know two, three, you know, four times a year and you're not on the capital because you've got a longer term view, right? Mm. And, and, you know, it's one of those where, you know, through the cycle, you'll be able to see, you know, what are the good bets and, you know, it's that idea of uh, decisions, you know, without full information, right? And, mm, you know, um, the one thing I had to learn is, you know, um, don't be scared of missing out on the next unicorn, right? Because, yeah. you know, there will be a other opportunities and, you know, at that time, that was, you know, potentially the right decision. So, yeah, it is hard, you know, to and have. Also, don't, don't be scared of missing out on the unicorn because, like, as we're seeing in the, like, in the wake of Uber and a whole bunch of other unicorns, hey, a lot of them are hot air, dog. Like, yeah. And, like, there's going to be more hot air you yeah. know I mean, to come. That's why, yeah. yeah, timing matters as well, right? Yeah. Where yeah. It's, 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 it's incredibly difficult, right? And look, ideally, you know, you'd have a multi-stage fund where you can effectively ride your thesis, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, to, to the moon. But, you know, but to the same extent, you know, there is, there's a point where you, where you can't, you know, be stubborn, right? Correct. And, you know, it doesn't make sense to keep doubling down on something that, you know, doesn't seem to be growing. So, you know, it's, yeah, it, it's that balance. It's incredibly difficult, you know. How does that relate to, you know, Web3, right? And this is where, 
I'd say, you know, we have to be a lot more, you know, discerning. You know, right? So, you know, my view is not that like nine out of ten will be scams, but I think many, you know, can be you know, quite, quite, quite scamish. <laughs> but uh, I think, you know, as an operator, I'm telling you with great confidence, <laughs> I met these people. Nine out of ten are scams. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so of course, but like nine out of ten won't work. <laughs> yeah. You know, whether <laughs> for scamish reasons or you know for for truly legitimate reasons, right? Yeah, you yeah. know, but. You know, what, what we find, you know, at least what you know, I find, you know, quite exciting really is, you know, is that, you know, infrastructure. So, like, how, how are you, you know, getting people, you know, to transact with you? At least, how do you get people, you know, excited about the space, right? And it doesn't have to be, you know, you know in, in certain respects, you know, NFTs, right? So, you know, a lot of those projects, right, I don't really have a long-term, you know, bull case for them. They could, it could be really interesting, but I don't think now's the time. But for me, it's like, allowing let's say you know local creatives to create their own nft marketplace so you know, for me it's more about those enabling technologies that's really almost infrastructure players exactly right you know quite recently you know we've made you know small investment you know into the helium network and that's you know allowing you know, like a decentralized you know internet and like you know people buy wi-fi hotspots you get rewarded for effectively you know hosting a hotspot and you know people use the helium so like infrastructural players like that i find you know, incredibly interesting, right? So it's, it's not like the boring shit is the shit you should be chasing. Exactly, right? And like, you know, the boring stuff right now is what we need because that, at the moment, is the most disruptive. Yeah, you need more Cisco's than you need like uh, Facebook, right? Exactly, now. right? So you know, you know, when you know, you know, let's say you know, take blockchain, you know, as an asset class, right? You needed your layer ones, your layer twos, and you know, and you know, yes, you've got you know, your decentralized apps, which, you know, be built, you know, on top of these layer two solutions, but you still need shit that works at base layer, right? You know, how are you storing items? You know, how we, exactly, you need the main roads, right? And, you know, you know, we spoke about before, right? There's a gold rush, but, you know, axes, shovels, picks, that's what you want to be in at this point in time, right? And, you know, as people become, you know, more familiar, at least as they become familiarized, with Web3, you know, that's when you start to see your Instagram for Web3, your social media. Because, you know, ultimately what, you know, the way I think about it, right, is, you know, uh, was it Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? I think at the base layers, like, can I feed myself? Do I have shelter? Yeah, yeah. You know, once we've sorted that stuff out, then you start to think about, hey, you know, these sneakers are really cool, right? Self-actualization, you know, this idea of ideas. Therapists. Ex yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You need the right. dogs before the therapist, but you need the therapist as well. It could be cool, right? That's why, you know, stuff like, you know, buying, you know, sneakers on, you know, in the metaverse, that's not incredibly exciting to me, right? Mm -hmm. That's really, you know, I've got a little bit too much money. And <laughs> it's luxury goods, but like the worst kinds of luxury goods. Exactly, yeah. right? For me, it's, you know, that's not, you know, particularly interesting for me. And remember, I'm looking at this through the lens of, you know, A, it's like as an individual, like this is incredibly cool. And secondly, as a VC, right? Mm -hmm. How much money am I going to make from that, right? But if I make, you know, kind of like the pipes to Web3, that for me is where the most exciting return uh, the expectation could be. Well, I think it's not only just exciting, but also like it's the most prudent decision right now. Yeah. Because the 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 you know the Tesla of the Web three age doesn't have an escort. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no solar panels for the Tesla. <laughs> and I see a lot of Teslas and I'm like, but where's the solar panels to yeah. like charge the car? You know, where's yeah. the battery pack? 
He's like, don't worry, it's coming. And I'm like, no, fam. Like, yeah. Country packs are fucking hard. Exactly. Oh, it's going to be difficult. You know yeah. I mean? So like, and, and way too many dudes get excited for factory packs. Yeah. One thing I found that um, super interesting is I got invited to a wedding the other day. Yeah. And the wedding invitation was in, in a tea. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah That's that a good fucking wow. cool. And then like. How did the grandmother access it? No, I don't think the grandmother got there. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just the young bucks. Just, just, just us, us, us youngins. And um, I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, like, there were all these cool, like, potential benefits you could get from it. Mm. And then, like, I could see my friend started this project and then, like, kind of quit halfway. <laughs> <laughs> I logged into this one, like, uh, like web app slash yeah. thing with my wallet because I had the NFC. And yeah. Like, Here's where you'll get all the photos, and here's where you can buy things. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, buy things. And I like, I saw like, I, like a DM the other day, and I was like, fam, what is buy things? And he's like, ah, this is a lot of work. Like, I don't want to, ah, like, I've burned too much ether on this thing. Like, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And I was like, no, that's cool. But, but like, it wasn't like, that was funny, but what was really interesting was I was like, Oh, this is the first time I've seen someone use an NFT with something that actually makes sense. Yeah. Because I was like, I have NFTs at home right now. Yeah. They're called, like, I literally was throwing away a ticket stub this morning. Yeah. For my girlfriend's play in university. Yeah. And I was looking at it and I was like, this is an NFT. Yeah. And like, except the problem with this NFT is I don't get anything for it except like anyone who knows these people, right? Sure. But like, on a long enough time scale, if I buy the tickets to your play, yeah. and it's an NFT, yeah. then fam, then after the play is done, you can download the play script, you know what I mean? Sure. You can get like backstage shared photos. Yeah. Ah, shit fam, if this play gets syndicated, you know, you as an NFT holder, you get like some kind of returns. And that like ability to include an audience in the value chain along the whole way, yeah. gets me really excited. Yeah. But like, and the only reason it gets me excited is because I don't necessarily know if it's solving a problem, but it is providing a need, like it is servicing a need. Yeah. And the need is that like, A, I want NFT ticket stubs. Sure. We all do, right? Like, yeah, exactly. I've got, what, the fun of the fun of this fonts, 2010, that's just hanging in my room, you know, like I remember that like yeah. yesterday, but like that's it, yeah. right? And like Safa, FIFA, the French, you know, football, Federation and the players don't get anything after that game. Yeah. But this model makes it much more interesting, you know, because yeah. if that NFT came with like the highlights, sure. You know, that ticket came with like fractionalized ownership of the highlight of Bonani and Kamara scoring that header, you know. Yeah. Then like <laughs> now this is not an NFT for me. This is like a deeply emotional thing. Now. Yeah. You know but what I think what, what excites me is that I've, yeah, like, you know, just as you the kind of you know, walking through your thinking. For me, I, I can only think about, you know, how do you make, you know, that transactional element like as close to zero as possible. So right now, you know. It's not possible. Exactly, right. But yeah, like, That's why he ran out of ether. So he was like, fuck this, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> exactly, right. So, you know, I, I figured that, I'm like, okay, that's incredibly cool, you know, in terms of, you know, how do you, you know, figure out, the, you know, the custodianship issue, right? You yeah. know, how do you think about, like, so there's so much, you know. Um, building to be done. Building to be done. And, you know, I think, you know, this is where you need, you know, your, your, your operators, right? You know, ultimately to start building this out. Mm. And, you know, as, you know, as, 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 as the ecosystem grows, right, you start to think about, okay, how do we make this easier, right? Mm. And that, that for me, that's, that's where I, I like to play. Okay. Right? I'm going to hit you with a, a tough one to, to close out. And this is not to, like, blow you up, but just because I 
like you, don't like to take. I, I, I try to take contrarian view on things, which is a very, you know, popular mainstream thing to do now. <laughs> Shout out to Peter Thiel for looking us up with that word. Because everyone's a contrarian now. Yeah, you know. yeah. um, I know, like, super. I've, I've, I've listened to super smart people talking about Web3 and getting super excited about it. Yeah. And, like, and then I've listened to, like, other people who are just, like, super anti Web3 and, like, think it's dumb. And my view is that <laughs> it's not Web3. I don't think that web I don't think either one of them is right and I don't think either one of them is wrong. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that web three is pure scam. I think there's a lot of value in web three in different ways. Yeah. I also don't think that web three is gonna like be what web two was to the world. Because yeah. web two also remember climbed scaled off the back of mobile technology. Sure. Like that's that you take away mobile, there is no real web two in the greatest scheme of things, you know what I mean? Yeah. So so my argument then is that Web3 is a form of propaganda idea, one. The innovations themselves are interesting, 99.99% unnecessary and can just be done with a basic database, right? Mm -hmm. But not that Web3 won't exist in the future, but the returns that all these venture capitalists are looking at throwing at Web3 are not real. They're not gonna happen. And the reason my argument for that and like, I like to steal, man, because I got super excited for Web3. Sure. You know? Last year, I was like looking to raise capital for my company with like, you know, coin, yeah. you know, and so on and so forth. And then I stopped and I was like, I got to steal, man, against this. Because like, like, everyone says this is a great idea. Something's fucked up. You know <laughs> yeah, if it's like, a consensus yeah. view there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I stopped and I was like, I don't think it's Web3 at all. Yeah. And the reason I don't think it's Web3 is because too many people think it's Web3. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So my argument is that like, the next dramatic technological wave that will fundamentally change the world sure. in the way that the internet and Web 2 and Web 1 did yeah. will not be Web 3, but it will be in biotechnology. Yeah. And like what we're seeing in, and the reason why for that is that some of the conditions you're seeing in biotechnology are more prevalent, are more similar to the, the initial stages of tech than they are than Web 3. Yeah. Because what I don't like about Web 3 is there are too many people trying to make money off of Web3 right now. It's, yeah, the financialization of, of the world, right? Yeah. Where so so, so if, as soon as someone's trying to make money off of it, it's not going to scale. Because the problem is, is that when you try to make money, you almost, you almost like hamstring its like utility. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So like, don't get me wrong, homebrew, these early guys in the early days of computing, like there were guys trying to make money, but 99% of those things are just fucking around. Yeah. Like, it was like, what are you doing on Friday? It's like, I'm going to this club to play with computers. Sure. That's literally what I'm doing. Yeah. Right? And when I look at that, and I go to, like, Web3 meetups across the world, like, I was one in London the other day, hmm. everyone's, like, very focused on making money, right? And, yeah. like, only, like, 10 out of 100 people there are like, hey, look at this thing I built. Sure. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's cool. And then we hang out and talk about, like, cool stuff, you know? Yeah. And, like, I always like that much more than the money stuff because the problem with money stuff is that you're not doing stuff that's cool. And if you're not doing stuff that's cool, yeah. how the fuck do you expect that shit to scale? Because yeah. like, like Facebook wasn't a business, it was just a cool idea. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. Most of these things are just cool ideas. Sure. Right? Uber can become a business that scales dramatically, one, because it's a scam, but two, because we, it was in a layer of Web 2 and a stage of Web 2 where it was just pure deployment at that yeah. point, right? And the mobile phone had arrived, which meant the monetization became a hell of a lot easier. Sure. Right? So my argument is that like, and I'm pretty sure I'm wrong, but um, the more I think about it and the more I interrogate it, the more I'm like, this looks way too similar to early days of the internet and computing. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like seeing these kids, and I'm on a bunch of Discord servers and like a bunch of WhatsApp groups and Telegram groups, of people who are just hacking away at CRISPR and doing really weird shit. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, oh, this is it. I'm like, <laughs> I don't understand this, but this yeah. is so fucking weird. And like everyone here is almost killing themselves yeah. repeatedly. And I was like, damn, this is going to be enormous. Sure. Because like it's so shit. It's so buggy. It's so useless. It's so like, it's so early internet. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I agree in, in certain respects, right? So, you know, the one element I think, you know, we, we could see, you know, can we sit from Web3, I think. But, you know, we're, we're, what I think about Web3, right? So, in certain respects, it's way more iterative. So effectively, it's taking existing structures and, you know, trying to make them more efficient, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not sure if you consider, you know, decentralized finance, you know, sort of kind of like a subset of, of Web3 or, or, or the, you know. Yeah, or, it's got to be in the same, like, it's got to be in the same club. It's in the same club, right? And, and effectively, you know, I think there's incredible, there's incredible, you know, use cases, incredible, you know, utility from, you know, having those structures in place, right? You know, mm-hmm. how does, you know, an entrepreneur, you know, within Africa get access, you know, to... There's you know, significant cap- capital to build, you know, incredible things here. I think, you know, decentralized finance has, you know, quite an important part to play in that. But, you know, I agree with you, man. Biotech is really interesting, right? You're it's right. fucking weird. That's it's, the thing. And 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 you know, at least from, look, <laughs> you know, we kind of spoke about, you know, having FOMO to certain respects, right? But it's been, you know, historically overlooked for one. Secondly. A lot of smart dudes, right? You know, you know, as controversial a figure as Bill Gates, you know, can be, but a lot of the smartest people are looking at biotech very seriously, right? You're right. There is no financialization yet, right? It really is, you know, you're making bets on niggas are making clones like rats that clone the dog. Exactly, right? Like, like, I was like, yo, this needs to be in a rap music video. Exactly. You know? in, in many elements, like, there's no expectation of financial return. It really yeah. is, you know, is this cool? You know, yeah. it doesn't solve a massive problem, and you're right. You know. Is it bringing for people from zero to, like, I agree. So Web3 is effectively, you know, scaling people from, you know, from one to 10, right? Yeah. So, but, but that's zero to one element, you know, right. you know yeah, shout yeah, out yeah. Peter Thiel. You know? Yeah, there you go, you gotta do it. Peter <laughs> Teasy. You know, yeah. you know, and, and that's what Web2 was, right? Effectively, it was bringing people from zero to one. Right? Whereas yeah. in biotech, you're right, people have been, you know, toiling for years and years and years. And we still waiting for that massive breakthrough moment. Yeah. So yeah. that yeah. is world changing. That's you know, what right? I mean. And like, that's why I'm like, when I'm like, everyone is like, Web 2, I'm like, nope, it's got to be something else. <laughs> like, nope, it's got to be it. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the same way that like when COVID started and I started asking people, what do you think is going to happen? And everyone was like, nothing. And it's just like, it's, it's always happens. Like people are reacting. I was like, nope, this is going to be bad. You know yeah. what I mean? Because yeah. you, like, it's a black swan because no one sees it coming. Sure. Yeah. But if everyone sees it coming, that's not a black swan. <laughs> you know, that's payday. You know? <laughs> everyone knows what the 25th is, you know? So like yeah. that, 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 that for me is like, and also what I like about biotech as well is that there's no lingo to access it. Yeah. Right? Like, cause the problem with tech is, hey, especially when you go to the States, yo, you go hang out with tech bros in the States. <laughs> I can find that stuff. Acronyms for days. It's just, Jargon, 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 jargon. Yeah. And it's like, as someone who briefly worked in advertising, yeah. I remember like my first week in a job in advertising, I was like, what do any of these words mean? <laughs> and everyone's like, how do you not know? And then I stopped and I was like, 
oh, this is a scam. And then, like, I quit like a week later. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm too young to be working in a scam company. Like, I work in a scam company in my 60s. Like, I'm like, oh, I mean, actually, that great value, you know? Yeah. So, 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 like, that's why I'm like, the macro view for me is that, no, I'm not saying that, like, tech will be, like, like irrelevant in the future actually particularly for biotech it might become irrelevant you know you never know but like for me there's like like i like science fiction and like i always say that science fiction is great because it describes realities for like wildly like brilliant kids to obsess over and then build in their adulthood yeah right? yeah and there's two things about science fiction that like science fiction directors are not getting right the first is medicine and biotechnology. Yeah. And the second one is drugs, which is another form of biotechnology. Yeah. Because I'm always like, the weed, like those dudes in the 60s in America at Woodstock were smoking, it's not the weed we smoke today. Sure. The weed we smoke today is like fucking gasoline compared to that shit. Yeah. Know? That was like literally just a weed. Yeah. Whereas today, guys are like smoking their brains away. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I look at drugs and I'm like, one, marijuana is going through this dramatic innovation like cycle right now, which is like super interesting for yeah. a number of different reasons because hemp as a plant is just has such incredible utility from a sustainability perspective. Yeah. And then also like, hey, drugs are cool. Like at the end of the day, like drugs are, <laughs> Starbucks sells drugs. SAV yeah. sells drugs. Yeah. These are drugs, like drugs are cool. Like we all like drugs. We just don't like drugs that are illegal. And other mm. legal, you know, so like, I'm not saying that everyone would smoke weed, but I'm saying the problem is, is that that's the, the UX problem of weed, yeah. is that you have to smoke it. Exactly. But like, now that we're seeing so much more innovation, you know, like, my dad's got a friend now who takes like THC oil drops for yeah. like his chronic back pain, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And like, this dude used to be the fucking worst human being in the world, like he's a nightmare. And now like, he's a very chill zen guy, yeah. you know, like, and I'm not saying weed makes you chill and zen, I think not having chronic back pain makes you chill and zen, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, a friend of mine just also recently had an operation and she got out of the hospital and they yeah. gave her opioids. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> she was like, yeah. And then like, we spent an hour and a half just researching why you should not take opioids. And then we took every single capsule they gave her and we emptied it out into the toilet. Like, not even, we didn't throw it in the bin. Yeah. Because I was like, this shit is poison. Yeah. And if you throw it in the bin, the upper boys are going to take it and like, go crazy, right? So we had to empty it out. So, when you look at, think about those two markets, right? How many times have you watch science fiction where you're like, yo, that's a new interesting idea on drugs? You know, like it's just Watchmen. Have you seen Watchmen? Yeah, Watchmen. Yeah. Yeah, remember that nostalgia drug? Yeah. I was like, yo! <laughs> How come they're not better drugs than like with science fiction? Right? Yeah. Because yeah. like, like, like we've over-optimized for science fiction. Sure. And we've over-optimized science fiction because tech has been so successful. <laughs> but then, so like the whole, you, so you know, like the macro, macro picture is yeah. tech and science fiction are deeply closely related, right? Sure. Yeah. And our techs, Science fiction sucks because tech was too prolific. Yes. So the futures of science fiction has to be something outside of technology. But and that's why I say it's got to be biotech. True. No, I completely agree. But the biggest issue, right, is that if you're going to use, um, you know, let's say, you know, the U.S. is like a barometer, you know, for you know politically how these things are, are, are being viewed, right? Or yeah. at least, you know, they've got quite a big part to play, right? Yeah. They're probably like the biggest pharmaceutical, you know, country, you know, yeah, in the world. They legalize like opioids. <laughs> exactly, right? But, you know, yeah. but, but there's no political will, right? So it's like they want to effectively cancel science yeah. <laughs> in, in, in many respects, right? So I think... Yeah, but then, I mean, like, you look at the innovations that are happening just across the border in Canada, and, like, that's just out of control, right? Yeah. So, like, don't get me wrong. I, I think the, the, the North American element is something you can never deny. Yeah. But don't confuse the North American element with the U.S. element because the U.S. is 
the US isn't the US. The US is also Mexico and Canada because the US cannot do things without Mexico and Canada being positively and negatively affected. So, you know, um, in, the, in the wake of chronic infrastructural breakdown yeah. throughout the United States and in the wake of, like, just absurdities that the United States holds, right? Yeah. If you're an intelligent, smart, young person, you know, like, and you're looking for an avenue outside of the United States that's less violent and less shooting kids at school, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Shout out to the NRA, baby! <laughs> like, yeah, who doesn't like kids getting shot at school? Um, your next bet, best bet is, like, Toronto or Montreal, you know, those yeah. parts of the world. And then, like, like and, and going back to arbitrage opportunities, I made a dude the other day who's just buying unbelievably large tracts of land in northern Canada. Yeah. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, this guy's like a billionaire. And I was like, why are you buying land in Canada? That's yeah. weird. And then he's like, and he showed me like the square mile pricing of this land. I thought it was square meterage. Yeah. Because I was like, that's like the square mile wow. pricing in these areas is the same as the square meterage pricing in Toronto. And I was like, the fuck? What's, what, what are you going to do with all this land? You know, I was like, do you want to like build like a reserve or something? You know? Yeah. And he was like, no, I'm building a city. And I was like, you can't build a city there. It's freezing. <laughs> and he was like, do you think it's going to be freezing in 10 years? And I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, this nigga's seen the Matrix, B. I was like, this nigga's on another level. I was like, he's playing 16 chess here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Me not, not you're like, I don't look at the spreadsheet. I don't know, sir. I think it's, uh, you know, you're paying a bit much for the you know, square meterage. And like, that's what I mean when I say like, from like my very acidic view of the future is that like, the United States collapses as a consequence of a lot of different things that are all converging at once, but it doesn't actually collapse, collapse. It just transfers a lot of value into other parts of North America, specifically Canada. Because remember, Canada, for the better part, is like 80% unlivable right now as yeah. a consequence of like it being a freezing, like... Time drive. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, thanks to, you know, the, the car that I'm driving home today and like a lot of the bad decisions <laughs> we made in our lives, that tundra's gonna be gone in a few years, right? <laughs> yeah. So when that tundra's gone and people in Texas have to deal with 45 degree weather every single day, where they're going, they have to go north. Yeah. And now Minnesota's got a population bigger than Texas, right? Where are those Minnesotans gonna go? North again, right? Yeah. And I'm like, these like, the farming opportunities are incredible in this climate, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, man, that's the most evil smart shit I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> like, of course, it's smart and evil, but it's good. So going back to what you're saying about like, um, the role of the American government in um, the development of new drugs and like so on and so forth. I think you're right. It's going to be really difficult without American like approval. But we've seen the Germans give it up. We've seen like so many countries now are like actively like chasing marijuana and hemp sales yeah. as by through legalization. And going back to what we were talking about earlier on South Africa on comparative advantage. Yeah, nigga, weed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Like, yo, B, that's just easy to grow here. Yeah. You grow weed in Gauteng. You know, shit, the soil is in Gauteng. Yeah. Like, oh, man, this shit is like, but you can just grow weed here. Yeah. Know? And we have, like, abundant tracts of land, like, literally swassy We've got incredible medical facilities, our varsities are. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah. shit, Cyril, like, once you, like, stop the debt and then just legalize it, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, like, yeah. throw a billion dollars at that. Just be, like, smart industrialists. Be like, guys. Yeah. You need to create the, the best, We've, exactly best right. 330 milliliter weed drink in the market. Mm. Like, we need the Tesla, like, weed can. Because, like, at the end of the day, like, that shit is real, right? Yeah. Like, SAB don't have a monopoly on drugs, but they currently do to a large extent now, right? On, yeah. At least on the legal side. 
But I'm just saying, if we as South Africans were like, we are going to be the number one spot in the world for marijuana research, research marijuana exactly. development, distribution. growing, distribution. Yeah. And we even start a Y Combinator just for weed, right? Yeah. Like, come through, niggas. Like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. 250,000 Rand, like, and we'll find you a weed startup. And, like, yeah. you can just kill it in South Africa. Yeah. Because, like, the, 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 it's, a, it's a massive opportunity. And we have the infrastructure and the land to make it happen. Could be arable land, yeah. Yeah, and whereas, like, in other parts of Africa, like, they have the land, but they don't have the infrastructure. Yeah, exactly. Days, you yeah. know what I mean? So, like, roads, the M3, baby. Like, that shit. That's what I'm saying. Going back to it. Like, roads, water. Exactly. Yeah. You can't build a Tesla without roads. <laughs> and in Web3, there's way too many Teslas and not enough roads. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. Um, cool. Let me just ask you, like, a few questions and then, like, let's, let's wrap, wrap, wrap it up. Um, okay. You find out that modern technology will allow you to live for another 100 years and without body deterioration. Sure. But... I also am going to give you a 25-year-old body. Okay. How does that change your outlook for your life? Oh, wow. So, uh, effectively, I've become the million-dollar man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, like, you'll, you'll be 50, and you'll still be able to, like, just fucking jam at five-a-side. Yeah. Like, you'll be 80, and you'll be able to, like, kill it at five-a-side. <laughs> like, Ronaldo <laughs> is going to be the top goal for the next decade. Century even, essentially, right? Yeah. And on top of that, too, like, you don't have to, like, if you're like, I want to go to Fiji in 10 years from now. Sure. You're not going there with the squad of squad of gagaga body, you know? Because young people, and I was speaking to like a 20 yeah. the other day, who was like, yeah, yeah, oh, no, yeah. I'll do this when I'm in my 40s. And I'm like, girl, your shit's going to be broken <laughs> when you're in your 40s, you know? Like, in your 20s, your shit's, like, impenetrable. You're bulletproof. But, like, yeah. as you get older, you're like, like, I can't drink coffee. I can't eat meat. <laughs> and I'm like, when I was 21, I could just eat cocaine and live. And just, like, do crazy shit. And now I'm like, yeah. uh, wow, is that a steak? And it's like, yeah. It's like, yeah. I'll just take the same. You know? <laughs> I mean, so. I mean it, it depends on, like, you know, how you view, you know, what, what are your views towards mortality, right? Mm. Because, like, do you view, you know, effectively, like, we've got, you know, degraded bodies, we're getting a bit older, and, like, mm. that is what effectively makes you you know, go out and like live your life and try and maximize the time you have left. So, you know, perhaps, you know, you know, my, I'm not saying my outlook would change somewhat, but perhaps, you know, you just, you know, really focus on more experiences, right? Like for yeah. me, it's like they're giving this incredible gift to effectively, you know, be 25 for an additional, you know, how many ever years. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. go around you know, accumulating, you know, additional experiences. Right? Okay. Because okay. So you think it would change your perspective around owning things and more around having experiences. Exactly. Right. right? Yeah. Because, you know, ultimately, right, it's, you know, Things go away. Things do go away. Right? Okay. And, you know, being able to at least, you know, have, you know, I'd still be you know, learning. Right? But I think, you know, that perspective changes extremely. Okay. Uh, what's a book you didn't enjoy, however, had a lasting impression on you? Um, uh, it's, it's a book I read quite recently, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow. Okay. It was an incredible slog to get through. I mean, yeah. it really felt like I was studying. But yeah, some yeah, of the no. principles are, are incredibly interesting. But I think... The way it was written was like incredibly different to go through. Yeah, and I think yeah. you know it's put put me off reading books for some time. I think mm-hmm. I've I've been really you know within the podcasting space for the last you know year or so. But I think it could be a valuable book. But it's it it felt way too academic to, okay. to be honest. No, 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 nice, nice, nice. Uh, um, what do you consider magical, even though you know it's not? Um, computer chips. Like there's there's you know I you know I understand you know science you know. To, to some degree, but, you know, there's always this, like, massive change from, you know, how do we put, you know, silicone together and effectively store 
loads of information. For me, like, you know, when they say, you know, the science and magic becomes, you know, indistinguishable, right? Mm. So I think that breakthrough is just, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it really, that blows my mind. I watched a documentary recently on TSMC, the Taiwanese yeah. chip manufacturer, another yeah. one on, like, the Apple M1 chip and how they made it. Yeah. Don't understand the fucking <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting there making notes. I Googled everything. Yeah. I researched it. Like two weeks later, I'm sitting with like homeboy and he's like, what do you think? And I'm like, I have no idea. What this <laughs> like, I, and I can tell you a lot about it. Yeah. Oh, like there's nothing underneath those things. I don't understand what I'm telling you. That's what I'm saying. Like I can understand the applications. Like, you know, I love cloud computing. I love, you know, having yeah. a laptop, having a PC, but the actual, how do you, you know, how did they, 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 they make this? I mean, that for me. Yeah, is, yeah. And I think that's one of the things about tech that doesn't get anywhere near as much like love as it needs. Yeah. It's like everyone's like, wow, look at this great, beautiful, sleek iPhone. And it's like, nigga, do you know how hard it is to make <laughs> like, That shit's crazy, fam. You know, like it's wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Um, what's the most interesting thing you could tell your great, great grandfather? If you could go back in time, like at a time machine. Oh, uh, if I had a time machine, the most interesting that be able to tell him really. The great, great, great grandfather. So like great grandfather. Yeah, so like we're talking like, we're talking like maybe 12, 1300s. Like great, uh, great, great, great grandfather. It's, yeah. it's, it's really hard for me to look past the internet, man. Like as in, you know, we've got access to so much information and knowledge, right? So but I mean, how would you even say that to him? How would you say it to him? It's basically like, <laughs> you know, there is, you know, a, you know, if put into words, like there's a database of just information. Like whatever you want to know, there is an answer out there, right? So whatever, you know, like, you know, what was considered you the... The, the great unknown, right? I mean, we can now find that out, you know, to, to certain respects. Like, mm. it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just incredible, right? Because it's effectively, you know, we've created, you know, um, uh, teleportation, right? You know, mm. in the form of a device, right? Yeah, 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 that yeah, yeah. It's like mind-boggling, right? I think the yeah. idea of just like a phone is crazy, but the idea of like FaceTiming every once in a while, I was like, what the fuck is this? So wild, Especially you know? how we used to live, right? Not, not talking about dial-up telephone, like just a, a telephone, right? <laughs> you know, I had to, you know, have this little fifty-cent coin. Oh, that was a nice UX, I must say. Like the dial-up, I love the experience. The, yeah, yeah that, that was a great UX. Like shout out to the designers there. Like they, they did a great job with that. Yeah. Um, okay, and then let's let's wrap it up. The last one. Uh, okay. We, we both went to the same schools. Yeah. Um, and we were taught in English primarily. Sure. And we were taught in the English writings, like the Roman writing script. Yeah. How do you think South Africa would change if we, A, taught children how to read and write, especially African languages and African yes. writing scripts? Yeah. As opposed to trying to teach kids to read and write in like a Roman and European writing scripts. Yeah. So like in Sitswana, you know, like in Sisutu, for instance, like, Reading Sesotho is like the hardest thing in the world. Yeah, like, yeah. like I, I sit and I can, you can talk to me in Sesotho and I can understand you fine. I can listen to a podcast, I can understand fine. Yeah. But like reading Sesotho, like I sit there and I'm always like, chur, 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 process I spani. Sure. Like it's not <laughs> working, you know. Yeah. And then like reading Zulu is even like, no wait, Sesotho is worse than Zulu for me. Yeah. But reading Zulu is like, I remember like being in high school with Zulu guys, like yeah. Zulu guys sure. who are first language Zulu speakers. Yeah. And it's time to read Zulu. Yeah. And they're just getting fucking Chibobo. Destroyed, and yeah. But they can read English fine, right? And the English, so it's not their intelligence, right? And they can yeah. speak Zulu perfectly and they can write, they can talk Zulu perfectly. Sure. And even write, they're not bad. Yeah. But it's the reading that kicks my ass. Yes. And I, I think it's also because like the, the, the ability for someone, 
the ability to describe these languages in the Roman or the, 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 the English script, whatever yeah. you want to call it, um, it doesn't capture the speaking. It yes. just captures that description almost. Yeah. Whereas the speaking is different. Yeah. So it's like it's like it's like it's like when people try to write Chinese in English. Yeah. And if you ever learnt Mandarin, trying to read Chinese in English is harder than trying to read Chinese in Chinese written exactly. script. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And like when you learn Chinese, you're like, oh, this makes sense now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you know, do you think? How do you think your experience and like education would change in this country if we try to change? the way we teach African languages and African languages written, yeah. but instead of using African English writing scripts, we use African writing scripts. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? I think, you know, I'm going to preface, I'm going to, you know, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm basically just a disclaimer, right? I think mm. it's incredibly important just with regards to preserving cultural heritage, right? Mm. I think, you know, there's a lot of, you know, our, let's say, you know, uh, Africanacity, mm. <laughs> you, know, you know, to borrow that term, you know, that, you know, it does get diluted, right? And you mm. know, from you know, speaking from a background, you know, I'm you know, Tswana and Soto, and you know, there is you know a cultural element where I'm like, no, this needs to be preserved, right? This is you know part of our heritage, and I think it's incredibly important. But I think right now it's just not incredibly pragmatic, right? I think you know the problem you know with teaching within you know I'd say um, you know our native tongues is that you know there is no word you know for a lot of these like concepts, right? So we effectively need to go out and build, you know that you know that dictionary right or mm. rebuild our dictionary right so i think it's usually fine you know conversationally you know, there's lots of idioms which are very, incredibly poetic but you know certain elements just aren't pragmatic right? what is a, you know a silicon chip what is you know no no, no no no, what no. Is and like i'll give you an example of that in china like in china they don't have a they don't use the word app in chinese application they use the word yeah. app oh yeah yeah uh, yeah so like you'll see something in chinese and then it'll say like alibaba app yeah people go oh that's an app right what i'm trying to say is that like for me it's the formative experience of a, a children learning two scripts would be so great for brain development. Oh, first yeah. And foremost, right? Really great. Yeah. And then B, the ability to write in that script almost changes your entire interpretation of that script. No, no, I, I completely agree, but I think, you know, it's fine for like, you know, APP, but it's, it, it's certain elements. Maybe we can borrow from other languages, just, you know, like I'd say, like, maybe like, uh, you know, augment, you know, our mm. existing, you know, dialects, right? But, you know, from an academic perspective, it's just incredibly difficult. Right? No, no, no. So you wouldn't be able to build an African academy in the next 10 years. Yeah. It would take you 30 years. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, like, yeah. So, but you, you, to, in order to build any academy, you have to start somewhere. Yeah, ex exactly. So I'm saying if I had children today, yeah, I would teach them how to read Isipeke, which is the writing script, yes. and read and write Zudu that way. I wouldn't try to get them to read and write with the Roman script now because I know how ineffective it is. Sure. Right? These children would be one of like 10,000 people on planet Earth who know the Isipekwa script. Yeah. But at the same time, they, they go to Wakanda, whereas you and I go to yeah. Zulu with subtitles. Yeah, exactly. Right? And what's great about Wakanda and understanding that, especially after someone who spent a lot of their life in Asian countries, sure. and understanding is that like when you have that script, it informs everything else around it. Do you yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the medium yeah, becomes yeah. the message, right? Yeah. So it's like I always say that like in South Africa, like South Africa is a European country in Africa. And sure. the reason it's a European country in Africa primarily is because all of our laws, all of our messaging from the state comes in English. Yeah. So like gender-based violence as a concept is fucked up because if you're not an English language speaker on a first language basis, what the fuck does gender-based violence mean? Yeah. yeah. Right? Whereas like 
you know, just we buy cars is a better example. Like, we buy cars is great because those niggas explain to you what they do up front. Yeah. We buy cars. <laughs> so that's why it's different. Because you're like, King and Trent. Yeah. Oh, we buy cars. Okay, let's go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, cars. yeah. So, like, I think there's a huge latency issue with regards to information in our current country right now. Yeah. That doesn't allow information to be, like, effectively distributed because of the language gap, back gap that we suffer through, one. Yeah. And then, two, through the, like, the ability to express ourselves in our native tongues in an effective manner that can be, that is not always yeah. measured against an English or a European competition. And that's how you create, you know, that idea of, you know, what is the, you know, the South African meme, right? Mm, mm, like, mm, that's mm, how you create, mm, mm, you know, mm. national identity. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we are able to, you know, communicate, yeah. speak, you know, Maybe not like a singular dialect, but like you need more commonalities, right? correct? And, that, and that's a big part of it, right? Where you know we don't feel like we're losing, you know, yeah. our, our, you know, being South African, correct? Correct. You know? And the I easiest mean, way to build that is by by showing us how unlike everyone else we are. Do you know? What e I mean? e exactly, right? I mean, if we can get to a place where you know people are wearing Springboks, you know, jerseys for Heritage Day, I mean, <laughs> that would that would. Well, be that's the problem, is because that's the best we got right now. Because yeah. the government just gave up on that shit. They started like. Simunia, we are one rainbow nation like project, and then like they just gave up. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like we had people of the south, and I was like, Yo, the future's gonna be amazing. And then I was like, Ah, well, Ali and Pope stole all the money, so like, <laughs> yeah, because he was the CEO at the time, yeah, and then like we just stopped. And I'm saying, like, um, like I can show you, and I'll, I'll put an example in the show notes of what Isipeko looks like, and like, I can give you some like loads, dude. Learning to read Zulu and Isipeko has been one of the hardest and most rewarding things in the world. Because now that I read Zulu and Isipeko, it's no longer Zulu. It's not Zulu. Yes, exactly. It's like this other fucking galaxy in my brain, right? Mm -hmm. And like, it's like, it's like uh, I made a shirt for a friend of mine with Isipeko, and like, and it said Uzonia in yeah. Isipeko. And like, she was walking around as a white chick, and she was like, you know, people were like, what is that? Like, is that Korean? And she's like, no, it's Isipeko. And then like, you know, at this party, and she took it up, went to the Isipeko website, and we showed it to people, and they were like, Yo! And then this guy was sitting <laughs> yeah. there with the website looking at her, chit, like her chest, you know, like trying to work out what it said. Who's on? Yeah! Like, ah, I can't believe this white girl said this, you know? Yeah. And it's like, um, it's like, it's like, it's like, for me, it's like, you're trying to get a dog to drive a car and it's not working. And that's what it's like trying to get people to learn about the world in an English script as opposed to an African script. Yeah. And like, you go to China, you go to Japan, you go to Korea, you go to Thailand, you go to any of these countries. Sure. And like, it's not an English version of X. It's not a German version of Y. Yeah. It's just that thing. Sure. You see what I'm saying? Sure. And Rona, the big problem we have is that we are a cheap version of X. Yeah. Or there's never ever like, this is the thing. It's yeah. a cheap version of X. Yeah. And I'm saying, you take Isipekle, and if you take to a white kid who's trying to learn Zulu in school, this is how you write Zulu. He's no longer writing He's no longer in school. He's yeah. at Zulu. Yes, yeah. And then he's at school. Because when he walks in, it's no longer like... Like, because I think about Zulu, like when you read it in an English script, it doesn't make sense. Mm. It's almost like it feels like a game. It doesn't, like, it doesn't feel like a language. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like... But then when I was doing it, Isipekla, I was like, fuck me, it's, this it's, is mind-blowing. It's, it's the idea of, you know, imagine having to spell everything phonetically now that you know English, right? It'll be, it'll be like a... Big, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's hard because like... The other day, someone was like, it was a pop. And I was like, how do you spell that? <laughs> and I had yeah. to sit and like, and then I was like, oh, it's a pop. Okay. And then I was like, that took like three minutes to do. Yeah. But with, you see, there's a PH sound mm. that is 
dynamic for the different pHs in the ciliary. Yeah. The Q sound that's different for the QH and a QA and a QB, you know, all these sounds. Yeah. And like when you see it, you know, like, oh man, it's just power. It's yeah. so powerful. Yeah. And like, I, I feel like, especially our generation, as the like young black South Africans who have enough freedom to like think freely. Like I, I encourage a lot more guys to like look into it because I, it, we're not saving ourselves. We're saving our grandchildren. Yeah, exactly. Like we're fucked. Like it's not gonna happen. <laughs> like our kids might be, we can save like money, but the grandchildren are the one we save. And like, that is the Wakanda for me. That is the, the utopia yeah. that I'm chasing. It's not like just the bullet train. Cause Cyril, I like your bullet train. Don't get me wrong, I also want it. But the bullet train that has the sign that says Etegu in, in the like, you know, the, the LCD screen. In the terminal, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, oh, is it even an LCD screen anymore? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> like, now it's not even like, like someone's going to come to Africa and be like, yo, I went to Africa, you know? As <laughs> yeah. opposed to I went to this cheap version of Dubai at yeah. the bottom of Africa, which is just what we've become. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Liz, thank you so much, man. No, hey, people want to get a hold of you on the socials or what, what, or they want to pitch you ideas for their business. We're going to get a hold of you. Yeah, so uh, I'm on Twitter. Sometimes share my thoughts. I'm an invest lad. Invest lad. Okay, <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, if you want to pitch us, uh, just go to the Newtown Partners website. You can also catch me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm always happy to connect and uh, chat. Sweet. What are you looking for? What do you want to invest in? Um, anything, uh, I'd say. <laughs> we had a short discussion, but any interesting uh, Web3 products that are solving core infrastructure problems, like mm -hmm. getting people familiarized with the tech, uh, supply chain, logistics, healthcare technologies, or, you know, if you've got a really interesting idea, you know, I often like to point people in the right direction. So mm. reach out if, you know, if, you, if you've got you know, something incredibly cool. Uh, you know, yeah, some people hate uh, cold mails. Uh, I'm, I'm quite a fan of them. I like them as well. I think that. <laughs> All right. Thanks, my man. I really appreciate this chat. It was yeah, really fun. You. It was really exciting and interesting, and thank you so much for taking the time to do Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, amazing. Wow, I really enjoyed that. I hope you did. And thank you so much for listening to this part of the podcast. I always feel like this is like uh, the marrow of a podcast, because like, this is where you get all the juicy shit, and I'm going to use this as an example. Um, whoever follows me back on Twitter and tweets at me, Doc Shebeleza, 1967 Mohodu. I will gift a free copy of my novel. <laughs> I don't think anyone listens to this part. Anyway, dude, thank you so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it. Um, as usual, if you want to get a hold of me or you just want to complain or like report me to the Human Rights Commission or something like that, um, you can find me at my website, mothei.com. That's M O T H E I.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at M0TH3I. Uh, same was on Twitter. Um, yeah, I really, really appreciate feedback and I would appreciate your feedback and feedback from anyone else. So yeah, please hit me up if you have any suggestions. And even if you just like the podcast and you just want to say, Hazards, I'm here for you. I see you and I believe in you. Thanks so much, folks. Have a wonderful evening. And don't forget, go to therapy. Love ya.